2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Active Quest. You're hearing a different voice this week because Joseph is out. Uh, today, this week, uh, me, Josh, I am hosting. And uh, we uh, are also joined by a special guest. Uh, we've got Doc, uh, journalist, uh, game developer. Doc, you do all kinds of stuff. How are you doing today?
1: I'm conscious. <laughs> I just shipped the game a little out of it.
2: Yeah, I've read that uh, or maybe heard, I don't remember. I've 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 received communication from people that worked on games in the form of an article or a recording, I don't remember. Anyway, and they said that the uh roughest part of uh game development was the the very end, you know, like crunching and getting it all figured out and fixing bugs and stuff and then uh, right after the game launches because that's when you're waiting for reception and user feedback and glitches and, you know, bugs and stuff, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, yeah, you're like, Hey, it works. And then you send it out into the wild and suddenly bugs you've never even seen before are showing up. But it's like, Oh my God, no, please, please. Um, Plus, you know, I'm pushing the game really hard. So, you know, I want it to sell. Uh, So I've probably been working harder than I should. I'm, I'm kind of, Working from when I wake up till when I go to bed, and I oh, think I, I pushed a little bit too far, so I'm trying to take it a little bit slower today. Uh,
3: t- tell us, uh, tell us about your game, Adios.
1: Um, all right. So I hate walking sims. That's probably the, the first thing you should know about me. And it's it's not when I say hate, I, it's not like some sort of you know Ooh, this isn't a game, right? Because a lot of people are accusing me of. Uh, i would say making a game that isn't a game now um but more walking sims don't have a lot of verbs and they're very solipsistic right so i've been working on this uh, sort of theory of trying to make games that are you know dealing with other human beings and have lots of verbs but are maybe still you know because we are low budget still doing a lot of things that walking sims do um You'll often see, like, you know, new teams, like, they'll start off making, say, uh, you know, walking some horror game like Amnesia, right? I, I know that's not that team's first game, but, you know, they'll make games in the vein of am- something like Amnesia. And then they will, uh, you know, they'll move on. They'll be like, hey, okay, we did a great job. Now it's time for us to, you know, make a gameplay game. And that's what my hope is here. But, Adios is basically a game about two people in a space doing a lot of different things together that's the boring game designery pitch the more exciting pitch is adios is a game about a pig farmer who has decided he no longer wants to dispose of bodies for the mob anymore and uh he is telling a guy who would have to kill him that he's quitting the guy who uh would have to kill him does not want to do this because he considers them friends so it's sort of a a debate about like these two guys, you know, kind of going, am I gonna, you know, am I going to kill you? I really don't want to kill you. Please don't make me do this. Um, you know, you're putting me in a really tough position that I do not really don't want to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's meant to be kind of this tense discussion really between Mm -hmm. two people as they do verbs. So, you know, there's the game has fishing, although that you do on your own. Um, there's uh what else is there? Goat milking. Uh, playing, yeah, goat milking, like playing goat horseshoes. Milking. Shoveling shit. I, I love goat milking. Yeah. Yep, shoveling shit. <laughs> or cow pies manure or whatever, you know, you end up <laughs> deciding to pick in that dialogue option. You know, it's 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 a game about doing a lot of different things. And I mean, last or two nights ago, a really big streamer, a guy named Pat, um, streamed the game and got real choked up when playing it and a lot of people have basically told me that i have a dm inbox filled with people telling me oh fuck you uh <laughs> i just got to this part of that part fuck you you made me feel things uh a couple of people told me you know hey i don't usually feel things when playing a game but this game you know really hit me so you know the goal was to do that right the can you pet the dog account uh, did what I was hoping they would do and mm-hmm. tweeted you can pet the dead dog's grave. Yes, you um, can. <laughs> you know, which was is, that specifically is... designed for that? <laughs> it, it was uh, in part to see if it would happen. Right. <laughs> I was I was kind of hoping that, that people would see it as like a clever sort of inversion of that. Yeah. I didn't actually expect the official account. I mean, I say official; it's just some person out there doing it. But like, you know, I didn't expect that account to. Yeah to actually share it. So that was that was a pleasant sort of pleasant surprise, um, you know, to get. But uh yeah, it, it's it's hit people and that's what I wanted was a game that, you know, sticks with you, right? Um that's something that I prided myself on in previous work and, and I continue to do. Like for me, some of the best praise I've ever received is like, you know, this is this months later I'm still thinking about it. And that's what I'm hoping to do yeah. with this is this. I love
2: when games do that because I have that happen with other media occasionally, you know, like, but I feel like games have just a really, uh, strong potential staying power. Like it just, with you being in the experience, you know, it just feels like they're, they're, uh, in a really good spot to do that if they, if they choose to. Um, also the, uh, the, how intense this game was and the um the way that the themes are explored in conversations it really reminded me of like a play and i i really i really dug that it kind of felt like a like a play i would read like in like an english class like um it just i don't know it was just cool because the 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 conversations didn't feel like they were just like surface level stuff and i feel like in like you know a, a less uh skilled uh team could have tried to tackle these themes, but like maybe wouldn't have done it in as in interesting of a way, you know, whereas there were the way the the, the direction the conversations went and the, the depth that they hit on a lot of stuff for me was just like, oh, wow. OK, so not only are we talking about this or that, but we're like going this far into it. And then that <laughs> combined with like how natural the dialogue felt, it just it was just a great combination of everything.
1: And when I, the actors were, oh, sorry. I, I, was, I was just going to let you know. Uh, when the actors were were recording, uh, we actually first recorded them separately for our sort of demo of the game that we were going to show to some publishers, and then uh, they were like, "The script is so good. I really, I really wish we could record together." And so, you know, COVID was happening. We couldn't really get people together, so we weren't sure we could do it. But we actually managed to pull it off. We actually managed to get. Everybody in a room, um, you know, talking about like talking to each other, not not like Bill or, or or some of the other characters, but just Hitman and Farmer since they are the majority yeah. of the game. Uh, we we got them, you know, just speaking with each other and let them play off each other, and they started having a lot of fun doing it. And one of them was like, "Man, I really wish we were doing this like at a table together." You know, rather than having to do it over like a, a voice call, mm. uh, but they both said that the script was really strong. Um, it's not the kind of thing you normally get in video games. That's that yeah. was really encouraging. Um, like I, I realize I'm kind of tuning my own horn by saying that, and I, I want to be humble, but like it was really nice feedback to hear. Uh, you know, because it, it it that's what I was going for. I didn't I didn't want a game that sounded like a game. I wanted a game where you know you had people like real people dealing with each other. That was the goal. Um, there was a negative steam review that was like, this guy wants you to know how smart he is. And I was actually like, when I would put interesting things in the conversation, it was because I didn't want it there to be a single boring moment in the game. Right. My desire was to intrigue, I guess you could say like, uh, I, 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 I wanted somebody who's, you know, listening to the conversation to have something interesting to hear. Um, uh, but I wasn't really like thinking, you know, what are you going to think about me? It was, you know, they are just making the what... game
2: interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like, I've played so many games where, you know, like one horrible game I reviewed for IGN years ago. Um, and the fans of some YouTuber who worked on it, got really mad at me and stalked my steam profile and tried to Jeez. prove that I wasn't a real gamer or something. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was terrible. But uh, when I reviewed the game, it started out. and It was like you know, in the you know, ten thousand years ago, the Dark Lord did a yeah. blah blah blah, and you know, it went on for like twenty minutes, and like I just mentally checked out. Like I, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I was going to
3: say that the the uh, conversations in this game and the dialogue are very unique in the gaming space. Um, I think it really tackles like genuine. Kind of like com- like issues that people have, you know. Um, it covers depression, it covers loss, and for me, I I think that's a a great way to evolve video games in a sense. You know, it's not going to be like this plucky hero defeating like this evil dark lord. You know what I mean? Like there's there's more, much more to it. You know, in Adios and. Um, I would also like to say that the actors themselves they had excellent chemistry. Um, they did so good, yeah. Yeah, oh they, yeah, like, they're amazing. Rick and DC were fantastic yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would totally recommend it. Um, I think Josh received the review code for. Yeah, Retroware. yeah, I reviewed
2: it for uh, for but RetroWare. I um, yeah,
3: yeah, I bought my own copy. Um, so yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, it, was, it was it was a great game and I, I totally recommend it um and also actually i'd like to mention as well that i i like like a, a common misconstruction about like these walking experience kind of games these story experience games is that oh there isn't any gameplay in it um but to me i find that interactable nature like something you can only do in video games mm-hmm and it adds so much to it you know um i i no, i'm not gonna spoil the achievements sorry (laughs) yeah there are some really cool achievements in there um that have a bunch of creativity and when i found that out found one out uh involving a can i was like oh uh uh-huh that's that's cool (laughs) um so I i am
1: sorry that a specific uh a uh, specific achievement is bugged, but we have already issued a patch. Mm. It's on Xbox, where like they like Steam already has it. It has it um, because they don't have a really lengthy sort of certification process. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get it when we. Can. I'm gonna be double dipping and grabbing an Xbox copy too, because I
2: uh, well, I say double dipping. I have only gotten the review copy, but I, yeah, I'm gonna buy a copy on Xbox because uh, I. I don't know. I really like free roam modes, and I and I of course saw this game had that, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do that on the couch, with, like with a controller. Yeah. It just I think that'd be really relaxing to kind of explore the world. Because one thing that I I I tried to explore uh, the environment a lot the first time, but I I was just so engrossed in the in the in the conversations that I just didn't. Just because I was just like really wanting to. I was looking at the characters as they were talking because I really liked the. The facial expressions and stuff that connected i thought that was interesting because a lot of the times in games when there's dialogue happening i'm like half listening and just like fucking with stuff and look you know walking around
1: that's part of the reason why like, like i said i want the conversations to be interesting you know yeah is like the goal there you know is to like fill the conversations with content that is actually interesting a lot of people do like exposition where they just tell you data and eventually you get bored um mm-hmm. i know that a lot of people love the mass effect series but for me this is a serious problem with the series is like you be like so what do you do around here and then it'll reverse shot over to them and be like oh well i'm a person who does engineering on a ship do you know what a ship is and you'll be like oh my god i'm yeah. shutting down <laughs> but you know when we do a thing about like say chestnut trees right then we get to we get to actually tell the audience something they don't know yeah and what's really cool was watching a uh, pat stream there were a bunch of people in chat who were going wait is this real did this actually happen and then they went and like looked it up and there were people going yeah it actually happens here's what the <laughs> price of chestnut wood is this is why chestnut was really valuable and like i put it in the game because it was personal to me um it's something that i did when i was younger i actually helped a guy his name was ross and he was trying to preserve chestnut trees and he paid me to uh help take care of his his like grove i guess orchard i don't i don't know what you call him for chestnut trees but he he paid me to help him with that process oh, so cool. i learned that from him and by by learning it from him like you know it was like oh this is something that's really interesting to me something that i want other people to know um but then the dramatic nature of that scene right without spoiling it there's also this you know, whole dramatic aspect to the scene. It, it wasn't just... And, and when I say that, I do mean it in a formal sense, not like a, me just going, oh, this scene's really exciting. I mean, I literally sat down and was like, okay, so what, what do I want to accomplish in this scene? What is the purpose of this scene in the game? So many games, it's just to tell you something, like to give you a fact, right? And in this scene, we do. We tell you about chestnut entries. But what's actually happening in the scene is that we are introducing Saul, the Hitman's assistant. We are showing that the Hitman doesn't need to be here. If you notice, he's much better dressed than Saul. Saul's fit doesn't, Saul's suit doesn't actually fit him well. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Saul could be the one doing this. And there is an implication, I think, in one of the scenes. I think it may be that scene that um, I think it's the next scene, actually, that like Saul is trusted enough to come by without Hitman. Like Hitman doesn't need to be here. The reason that he's here is because he values their friendship. And that was really crucial to me um, was to kind of put, You know subtext like that in the in the script right Mm -hmm. i didn't need him to say why are you still coming out here you don't need to be here no i just did it by having you know saul thinking about saul's costume design versus the hitman's costume design like somebody in the chat was like "Why? you know why would you work on a farm in a suit like this he wasn't planning to work on the farm he chose to do that because he's trying to convince the farmer not to do this yeah so he's okay with getting his his suit a little dirty Um that doesn't matter. What matters
2: is that time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we have Saul come up, we have them start talking, right? But it's also the scene in which Farmer ultimately, I think, accepts what's going to happen without, you know, spoiling too much, but I think it's obvious. Farmer is is kind of sitting there going, all right I know what's happening. It's it's the scene where he starts to lose his composure a bit and start to open up. Like Mm -hmm. he's talked about a lot of things, but a lot of what he's doing is is proud right like when he introduces the the chestnut tree at the start he at the very start of that scene he's like you remembered yep these trees are super valuable and you know he's really enthusiastic about it it's like a kid showing off his his toy to a neighbor or something you know like look what i got this is really cool right um i wanted to achieve a sense of unbalance it's one of the reasons it's one of my favorite scenes i'm unbalancing him through that scene that's what's emotionally happening in scene which is why i think it lands for a lot of people because it's not just me giving you information it's a specific emotional beat that is occurring that is crucial to the overall plot of the game uh it has you know it has a, a moment a unique animation in the scene like there are things we are doing to make sure that you get what's happening to farmer in that moment without and just saying whole...
2: this is what's happening. Right. Yep. Like... And the whole
1: tenor of the game changes after that scene. Uh, you know, it's one of the many turns we have in the plot, but it is a crucial one. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was my goal with every scene was to like, how do I make this interesting all the way through? You know, it's why it was kind of funny to me. I was like he, he thinks he's so smart. I was not really considering my relationship with the audience Just would this bore me or not? And I would cut things when they bored me. Um, I
2: think that's probably um, at least partially because uh, at least helpful, at least I'm sure at least a part of what makes you so good at being able to do that is you approach games from both sides. Like you, uh, you know, write about them and you have a good understanding of what works and what doesn't. But then of course you also go to the other side of the table and you actually, you know, make games. And I'm sure that probably really gives you a lot of good insight.
3: Because
1: you can kind of I, like
2: I, review a game while you're making it. Like, well, no, this doesn't make sense. I need to change it to this or whatever.
1: I did, I was employed uh as a consultant on AAA games as a result of the the work that I did for sites like Kotaku and stuff when I was criticizing them. Like people like his criticism is really good. Um I, I I don't like much games criticism. Uh not not like a hey, I think I'm better than other people, but I think games criticism should serve the reader. And when I read something that's like, you know we want to take time to uh, acknowledge, you know, the current events of Occupy Wall Street or whatever. And I'm reading it 10 years later and it doesn't hit at all because it's some temporary, uh, temporary thing. It's like, eh, why am I reading this? And so much, so much games criticism feels self-congratulatory or, I mean, I saw a critic about a year ago tweeting something like, remember critics, you're, you, like like don't don't feel uh like your work doesn't matter your work is actually more important than the games themselves <laughs> it's like Woof. no it's not. not the game is what leaves the impact on people right. very few people go you know that essay i read on <laughs> you know some some critical roundup site really you know changed the way i see the world but a whole lot of people named their daughter liara after mass effect right like yeah i'm not saying i'm not saying that all criticism is bad, but I see a lot of criticism as being very surface level um you know like I read a essay not too long ago about somebody basically upset that there were games that appeared to be wholesome but were actually horror games and it's like you know that's that's a really old trope uh they're subverting your expectations it's a it's pretty standard it's like pre video game too like you know I mean, it's like it's very old, yeah. like, you know, I mean, when I was in my teens, even like, you know, Happy Tree Friends, I think it was called. Yeah, it was a I lot of this. Perry Bible Fellowship is, is very much into that. Like, this is a very common thing. But this person did not have that kind of media literacy, I guess. Um, but it just it just seemed like they were like, eh, I bought this on false pretenses. And I think if you've seen any horror things, when you saw Bug Snacks and you saw that first trailer, you're like, oh, my God, this is a horror game. I love it. Um, but they couldn't see past them up at things so they got upset. So I see a lot of criticism that's like that. For me it's like a guy once r- wrote me and said, "You know, your your writing is really different than mine." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "I would come up with a theme and then try to make the game fit, and you don't do that. You like figure out what the game is doing and I didn't know you could do that." And it's a whole different way for me to write. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh to me that was second nature but i also went to film school where a lot of the professional film writing not just dudes who like you know took a couple english classes and and called it a day um you know read a bunch of book reports or wrote a bunch of book reports that were like what's the subtext of this and then always trying to find the theme because there often isn't a theme in a work like that's or or or
2: there is but it's like several themes you can't just be like it's about this you can't reduce it to a
3: headline some people are stretching to see themes and things very that, yeah. very yeah. much
1: so it's not everything is a coded message not everything needs to be decoded if you talk to like Ursula K Le Guin or well you can't now but you know what I mean if you read her writing she actually complains about this and about people going I really liked your story but I didn't understand what the lesson was and she's like I wasn't trying to teach you a lesson you know like yeah sometimes it just is the meaning is in the telling of the story you should just read the story that is what I'm telling you right uh you know David Lynch's, you know, hey, Eraserhead is my most spiritual film. Elaborate on that. No, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I love it. <David laughs> there are a lot of people doing this, right? It's super important to understand that criticism should be about examining the work. What is there? What am I looking at? And so that's what my criticism was is what is happening and what is it doing to us? When we play a game, we press buttons, and we see things happen on screen, and that does something to our brain. It does something to our emotional state. If we can figure out what that is, we can develop a, uh, like a, a theory or a, um, that's not quite the right word, like a philosophy. We can develop a design philosophy. We can say, "I'm going to do this because I want to achieve this effect." And any artistic medium I've ever worked in, I've ever been taught in works like this games are like the only one that doesn't have this and i think it's because it's new and because a lot of the games crit happened at the same time as blogs Mm -hmm. so you have a lot of people who are maybe personalities more than like good critics like i read an awful review of uh uh disco elysium which full disclosure i am in the special thanks of that game that's like i didn't do a whole lot i'm not taking credit or anything i'm just saying like full disclosure i'm defending the game i like those guys a lot uh but just so you know it's not i'm not trying to pull anything over on you or anything right um in in this person's article they basically said the game was really bad because it had this like really weird perspective on on people and it was not hopeful and you basically had to be like this you know psychopathic house type character it was like what like a bunch of us tried to read it and figure it out, and it turns out a buddy of mine was like, "Oh yeah, when this when the game got announced, uh, that guy was tweeting how pissed he was that members of a certain podcast he doesn't like are in it, uh, uh. and this is he he doesn't like them because he thinks they're all like this kind of person. Uh, so this piece was never going to be an honest examination of the game. It was going to be this guy trying to express his like trying to prove a point." And so the reason that he didn't, you know, point out how tight the relationship between Harry and, and Kim are in, uh, in disco Elysium, like the reason he didn't discuss anything like that. And he had to avoid warmth is because he apparently researched a very specific build in the game and got basically the worst possible outcome. Like it's a very hard build to do and play. And this is is just, uh, this is just what I was, was telling me. It's like, Oh, and I, I guess I shouldn't be saying he because I'm actually not sure what that person's, uh, like, pronoun? you know, preferred pronouns are. So I don't want to, I don't want to do, do anything to offend. But I just remember the person using a male name, and so my brain kind of went there. I, if I got it wrong, I apologize. Um, but you know, it was like this person clearly had like you know an axe to grind, right? And so they they wrote criticism that was more like it, it required twisting the game in a way to make it dishonest like point
2: it's frustrating when intentions and or i think this this one we're getting a little better with but c- the competitive nature in the industry because i think that's one reason so many critics i think this is especially bad like in the mid-2000s and uh early 2010s maybe i think i think the the journalism side of the industry is getting a little bit better in terms of um, how writers interact um I think it's probably just from social media and people talking more, but like it used to be so much more competitive and aggressive. And so it was this like dog eat dog. Like I need to one up Chris. I need to do better than Chris. And then Chris is like, I need to do better than Josh because that's how we were kind of told to be to survive. I think that really hurt discourse and articles for a long time. Cause instead of people being like, I'm going to give an honest, um, you know, discussion on this, it was, I'm going to try to make sure that I say something really unique and thought provoking in this article when, like, that's not necessarily the angle you should be approaching it from, you know?
1: I mean, to an extent, I agree, but also I never approached it that way. Like, for, for me, it was always, you know, what is happening? What is in front of me? And excuse me, uh, what is in front of me and why is it interesting? Um, and when I would pitch, I would generally try to avoid a pitch that I'd heard before. Like, I never wanted to write a pitch that, you know, I'd already read because why Mm -hmm. would anyone else read it? Um, But if I could say something no one else had said or that I felt no one else had said, then I would I would push for it. But the the real goal was always like I met someone who took the wrong lesson from me. I told him that a long time ago and he took the wrong lesson from that and apparently just went into a, a situation where he would just defend bad games. And only bad games. And it's like, dude, that's not. That's not what you're supposed to do. Like, they're still bad games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, hot takes aren't the point. It's interesting. Like, can you be interesting? What is in front of you? What is it doing? Why is it doing it? And what does that mean? Like, just examine something and then share it with the audience. Give them something they hopefully haven't had before, but more importantly, give them something that they are, you know, hopefully interested in. Um. You know, I, I wrote my horror piece, for instance, because I played like 12... It wasn't really that many. But I played a bunch of really bad horror games in a row that were about guilt. And it was like, why is this such a common theme? It kind of sucks. Because it, it's it's a character... It's me disconnecting from a first-person character. Like, all these games are about a character who's in first-person. And then you have to kind of... like redeem them or die horribly because they deserve it and it it kind of forces you to split from yourself Hmm. and you know i I just i didn't like it so i wrote a game i wrote an essay you know and and created a hypothetical game in the essay where it was like here are some other things you can do with horror uh you know because that was that was my goal right is to like encourage people to consider something differently and because half of the game is a game pitch, essentially, it was originally going to be a creepypasta, but I couldn't make it scary. Um, like, the game is scary, but, like, I wanted to make the actor describing the game scary. Um, mm. And it didn't work out, so I ended up delaying the piece for a really long time before I finally shipped it, basically. Um, but the hope was that people would read that and find that entertaining. And I don't think anyone's ever pitched such a unique, not such a unique game, but. I don't think anyone's ever, you know, read an article like that and then got a really cool pitch because I had a ton of people who read it like go, oh, wow, I really want to play this game now. And I was like, good. That's that's me, too. That's my goal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I want you to want this because I want you to see that horror games don't just need to be about guilt. They can be more things and they can really get you to connect with the character. Yeah. So yeah. By developing this, you know, get way back to our earlier point, right? By developing this uh, focus on what is the game doing? What is it achieving? What is the purpose of this? And, you know, I probably, I don't know where I got this from. Did I get it from poetry where I had a teacher say that uh, the beauty of poetry is putting every single word into place with, like, a pair of tweezers? Or did I get it from, like, film school where it was, like, you only have so much film to shoot with and therefore you cannot say anything unnecessary? Like be lean, be tight with your work. Like, I don't know. Um, But what I do know is it helps me. I can't necessarily say it it makes better games. I'll leave that up to other people to say. But it, it helps me get through a scene. It helps me sit down and go, okay, what is the actual purpose of this? I worked with a AAA team on a game once, and every single mission in the game was a fetch quest. Where you would go to one place, the thing wouldn't be there. You would go to another place, the thing wouldn't be there. Then you would go to third place. You would have a boss fight, and then you would be done. And every single quest did this. And I had to sit down with this guy of this like three hundred person studio and be like, "So every quest here is predictable. No matter what twist you think you have, I didn't. I didn't say you think you have, but it was like because every twist, every quest is the same twist." it's going to stop surprising people and they're going to get bored. They're going to mentally check out, right? Like you can't just keep doing this. And he sits there and then he goes, what's a fetch quest. Oh, (laughs) and then I had to be like, Oh, that's where somebody sends you on an errand to go get something and bring it back. And that's basically just all you do. And that's not really, while we're talking
2: about that, people don't usually like those. So let's Mm -hmm. not put a whole bunch of those (laughs) in your game.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's, that was kind of my goal there was to help the guy realize that to make his game more interesting, he had to give people a more varied sense of objectives and help them not even realize that maybe some of the things they were doing weren't that um, unique, I guess. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. In a lot of games, you are often doing very simple things like uh, the Witcher's Bloody Baron quest. A lot of the actual things you do in, in that quest in terms of input, aren't actually that significant. It's almost all writing. Like, it's almost all just interesting writing and decision making.
2: But that that That's context, it. like, wrapped around it is what mm-hmm. makes it feel good or different or better or whatever. Yep.
1: It's it's even why, like, really old games would have, like, the water level, the you know volcano level, whatever. Because if you made a game that was all water levels, no one would like it. If you made a game that was all volcano levels, no one would like it. Because it feels the same. Yeah. Breath of the Wild, it has all those really really distinct zones that helps people feel like they're traveling through a bigger space biomes are really important it's one of the problems that i think uh ghost recon breakpoint has over wildlands it all has the exact same biome um mm-hmm. it's got like a got yeah, like a little variety but wildlands has a ton of biomes and it's a stronger game as a result i think
2: um, um donkey the uh, youtuber he's got a mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's got a lot of videos, of course, but the uh, his video on Donkey Kong, I really like, because Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, because he shows a whole bunch of different uh, things. They they look like they're all from different levels, but they're all from the same level. Mm-hmm. And he just points out, like, look how, like, a level could literally start, like, anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and, and it, it could end up here, or here, or here, and it could change. I mean, you could start off doing this, and then in the middle of the level, you're in an unrecognizable place. And I think, uh, you know, Rayman Legends and Origins are that well, too, but I like seeing platformers do things like that. And I, and I hope other games start to, I think it's more visually obvious when platformers do it, you know, but like, I like, I I, want to see more games, you know, play with that concept too. like try to surprise me instead of just leaning on what I'm anticipating.
1: Well, there is a good ending to that story. I told you, uh, which is they, they did actually listen to, uh, my advice and they shipped a much better product and a lot of people liked it. Uh, and now they're back in the same mess and people are mad at them but i can't talk about it so
3: we have a lot of news to cover uh, i think that was awesome discussion about game development uh game criticism and uh, yeah, so yeah that was really good you on oh no We're you're actually I... the first um game dev that we've had on the show uh, so it's uh, amazing to have your insight um oh, I, in the I industry
2: could listen to you talk about stuff forever it was like <laughs> i was i was living inside of like one of your medium articles Oh God, you know. I'm sorry. No, no, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. It was fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's um, he's I, a big I, fan of yours. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate it. But yeah, I could, um, I think because I straddle both worlds, you know, I, I am both critic and a game dev. Uh, I do have that kind of unique insight. Like sometimes you'll have a, a game critic who, you know, will complain uh, or, or a game dev who will complain about something. Or a game critic be like, why don't they just do this? And, and in both scenarios, it's, There's a reason. Understand what the other person's job is, and I'm I'm lucky that I've had the opportunity to do both. So I have a. uh, There's something I can be useful for. Basically, is what I'm saying. I think Um, I think honestly, there's a lack of disconnect.
3: There's like a disconnect between game developers and game writers, and
1: because the publishers kind of like close those walls off. In, in some cases, yeah. yeah. In other cases, there are game devs who know a whole heck of a lot. Right. And are happy to talk about it. Or, or sorry, game writers. Um, it's- I think the biggest issue
2: that has really hurt games a lot is this weird time equals being being equal to the money spent in the game. I really I really hate that. I think it really took off in the PS2, uh, Xbox, GameCube generation when, when games could do more. Then all of a sudden mm-hmm. people wanted more. And now we've got these, like, 150, 200-hour games that, like, yeah, that's cool, but, like, I want a 30-hour version of that. Give me that. Yeah, you exactly.
3: Know? Exactly. That's why I want like, Final Fantasy VII Remake to be in parts <laughs> like that I, like, come out every two years because it's, just, like, I don't know, 50-hour games? Just way too long. Um, I'm but... starting some game
1: called Tyranny soon because I hear it's... it's. Oh, really yeah, story. that game looks yeah, yeah, fun. CG. Yeah, I heard it's really good, but it's, it's lean, and uh, I do like lean. Audios' script was 4,600 words, I think. Like roughly there's around.
2: just there's just something it, it's kind of like when there's a when there's a uh and, and it could be for any genre i just I, I my mind's on horror and i think i see this the most with horror with the best results but there's just something special about like a 90 minute movie that is good you know like it's 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 it's, it's, it's a lot harder i think to make a 90 minute movie good or a, or maybe like a 10 hour a five hour a three hour a one hour game good as opposed to let's just throw everything at the wall and everything's in the game and the game's 300 hours long like you know i think i think i think that might be part of where it comes from too is maybe developers don't want to cut anything because it's all good but when you throw too much in there it you know I, I can't tell you last time i finished a ubisoft game i like a lot of their games but like i can't finish all these fucking games big so, mood big mood yeah. but so, uh yeah what's uh news, we'll right oh what's that
1: I said news, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> <said> news.
2: Uh, <laughs> speaking of things that are both good and maybe scary, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 uh, is in production, the movie. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that because uh, I was talking to Chris on Twitter about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved the first Sonic game when it came out. And as a kid, I was like, there is no way they can make a better Sonic game. And then Sonic 2 came out and it was it was better in every way. So I kind of want to see what they do with this because the, mo- the first movie was pretty fun um yeah
3: yeah it's it's coming out uh sometime next year um so i'm looking forward to seeing more of that because uh the first film was surprisingly good i was um, not
2: expecting sonic and pikachu to break the video game movie curse yeah
3: yeah yeah for sure but th- they did because the writers were given free reign over it pretty much um turns but, out, yeah you don't out... just
1: copy the plot of a video game you can actually do a really good job. <laughs> right? I, I
3: agree i agree i hope that Mortal Kombat film is uh, pretty good too but we'll see um yeah sonic a hedgehog 2 is coming out on april 8th 2022
2: yeah um I used to, whenever there was video game movies that I would like defend over the years, it would always be with concessions, <laughs> you know, like, well, yeah. yeah, it's good, but it's, you know, it's a video game movie. You got it, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> it was really cool to just watch the first Sonic and Detective Pikachu and be like, that was fun. And I didn't have any like, you know, you know, little thing, little just, you know, things I had to add, like, well, you know, that, you know, it, it, it's, it's a video game movie. I was, it was nice to not have to do that.
3: And it's fascinating. Like I I heard this point from someone on Twitter, but um, it's going to be interesting that this is going to be the last film they've watched in theaters since the pandemic began, and then the sequel is probably going to be their first that they'll see in theaters. Oh yeah, I actually (laughs) when when it opens up again,
2: I'm actually partially responsible for the pandemic because I watched Cats. That was the last thing I saw in theaters before the pandemic, and I think that's really uh, what what got that going. Hopefully, that's that's uh, horrifying. we got the Snyder cut, so I'm hoping that we get the butthole version of cats. <laughs> I really like that they had buttholes on the cats and then someone had to add them and then take them off. I just, I just, I imagine someone texting their, their partner at home and saying, Hey, I got to work late. I got to remove all these buttholes. And they're like, the ones they made you add? Yeah, the ones that made me add. Cause that's just, that's just got corporate America written all over it.
3: But there is a very good idea coming up on Xbox Game Pass soon. Segway! Um, Outriders great. is coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one on April first, so that is a big story. That's a AAA project coming to Xbox uh, Game Pass um, from a third-party studio.
1: Um, so it's that...
3: only on Xbox, right? Um, it's on other consoles as well. PS, sorry, PS4, sorry. Um, PC.
1: What I mean is, it's not on Xbox Game Pass PC. Is yes. It? Yeah. yeah. You can stream
3: okay. it on your phone through the cloud, and you can mm-hmm. play it on xbox platforms but just not on pc for some reason that's a huge that bummer changes, for me because changes yeah that's how it's I probably because they're
1: selling xbox it awesome. on skin yeah
2: yeah exactly oh so it's not available on pc through no, xboxes not. okay that makes sense um, i knew they wouldn't just like arbitrarily not allow it
3: but i, I wrote a, an article about this actually um and i think it's a really smart move on square enix's part because there wasn't a lot of push for this game um that there was not a lot of like hysteria around it so it's great that this game you know will get the push it probably deserves from the demo i've played so far
0: yeah um, i loved what i played and
3: yeah i, I I'm, I'm just happy this is happening and uh, hopefully it builds a community
2: uh, xbox game is- pass kind of um helps put my attention on stuff i i, yeah. I didn't know much about outriders other than you know, it was from Square Enix, and it looked like a you know a games as service style game, and I didn't, I didn't think it looked bad. I mean, I I like games of service when it's done right, mm-hmm. like Destiny usually. And uh, I just you know I only have so much time. I can't play everything, so I, I can't I can't pay attention to everything. But then I see this is coming to Game Pass. I watch the trailer and I go, oh, this looks like a game I'd actually enjoy. I'm gonna have to play this. Whereas. Mm-hmm. What would have happened if it wasn't in Game Pass is I probably would have checked it out eventually, but eventually might not, you know, be ideal, you know, because the game needs an audience, you know, exactly. obviously at yeah, launch. So I, yeah, checking I think all it's the smart. egg
3: situation, yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. And even if this is only in Game Pass for a couple months or a month or two or whatever, like I'll check this out when it when it, when it launches, and I'll, I mean, I'll I'll buy it. Like I don't mind buying it, uh, but when, when it leaves Game Pass, which it will probably do eventually. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe not. Destiny's been in there forever, but either way. um, Yeah, really smart call. Glad it's in there. And um, yeah, speaking of other uh, good, good games, we've got a story from Liana Ruppert um, on Game Informer. Uh, Sony's Play at Home initiative is uh, really good. Like, it was good last year. There was... uh, I don't remember what they gave away. I just remember it was good. Um, I think it was Journey...
3: They've given Ratchet and Clank like a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah. Oh, I was trying to think of what they did when the pandemic first started. I know it was l- last year. It was uh, Journey. Uncharted, and... wasn't it? Yeah, Journey and Uncharted. And then if you lived in Japan or Europe, you got Knack. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. I, don't, I really want to know what led to that. I mean, I'm sure it was licensing, but I still really would like to know. I want to I see... I want want to see the person's face that has to look at somebody at Sony and say, yeah, actually in Europe, we're going to give them a knack.
3: But I'm liking this because there's a lot of um, indie love in this uh, selection Mm, here. So we have uh, Abzu, Enter the Gungeon, Res Infinite, Subnautica, uh, The Witness, Astro Bot's Rescue Mission, uh, Moss, Thumper, and Paper Beast uh, becoming free uh, for those who game on PlayStation. And uh, I think that's really cool. Um, I'm wondering how that's, um, you know, h- how the money kind of exchanges hands with indie developers for that. Um, may- maybe they pay according to how many downloads there are. Or, um... Um, usually, the way people
1: do it is they offer a flat fee. Right. Uh, I think generally it's probably based on what the game's current like MSRP is. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you make a game and you sell it for five dollars. When somebody comes to you, they're going to be like, "Yeah, here's forty thousand dollars, right?" Um, but if you make it for, say, thirty dollars, maybe like here's three hundred thousand. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the. And then for them, it's guaranteed
2: money. So developers are probably yeah. like, "Yeah, sure, cool."
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's like, well, our sales have kind of slowed down, or we've been in a few humble bundles. Like, why not, right? Because you notice they're not giving away like, say, Pathless, which is the Abzu guys' the next game. Um, that one's still on Epic Game mm-hmm. Store for forty bucks. That was still on, I think, PS4. For forty bucks, like it's it's that one's they're not giving away free.
2: It's it's always going to be. But maybe Abzu will drive people to to buy that. Maybe
1: hopefully people go. You know, hey, what other games the Giants could have? You know, if you're if you're a really smart game developer, you'll probably patch that game with a check out our latest game (laughs) thing. You know, Mm -hmm. which sucks as a player. But does drive a lot of people to discovery. It is a like discovery is your biggest enemy in games. You know, getting people to yeah uh, notice of mouth you It's the best mm-hmm. way of marketing your game um, mm-hmm. because it's like on audios, My hope is that uh, people, you know, if they like it, they tell people. Because like if I retweet tweets, nobody pays attention. But if somebody tells their friends this game really meant a lot to me, buy it. Suddenly, you see a lot more people. P- taking notice yeah. a call to action in a, in a quote tweet is way better than a retweet right mm, okay um because you know like if, if somebody knows you like if if you retweet me and somebody follows you but doesn't follow me they're going to take your endorsement over you just retweeting me right because right. they don't know me they don't know who i right. am they, they might not even realize why i showed up in their feed um at first but, but if your
2: me. tweets there with me above it saying yo you should get this game it's really cool i played it and i liked it
1: mm-hmm so as many barriers as you can remove to somebody making that decision to pull the trigger, the better and a personal endorsement from somebody who, you know, you hear in your like, you can hear their voice in your head, you know, you know what they look like, you know, their facial expressions or whatever, depending on how close your relationship is, right? Um, you know, that personal endorsement is going to go way further than just retweeting, right?
2: right? So I was going to ask you too. I don't know how much you can say on this. So, you know, please, you know, if you can't say, much well, on I'll, tell you. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, kind of on this subject, uh, PlayStation Plus games the gold. Um, I know you spoke positively on Game Pass, but are 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 Plus and Gold g- generally good for for you know publishers, or is it kind of like a, a not really that great?
1: That's a situation where I've never spoken to anyone about the topic, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. Mm. But hmm. if it's anything like, say, a humble bundle, which I have I have been in yeah it's pretty nice you know okay, i don't cool. know what it does long term uh i do know that various people have talked about this when their games are available for free um for some reason they make more money interesting yeah um like when you put a game on game pass it makes more money so i assume it is similar though cool. i cannot be 100 positive i've always felt kind of games with
2: gold weird about it because as a consumer i'm like oh cool free games with my subscription yay but you know
1: definitely getting paid for it i just yeah
3: and uh, i remember an indie game called descenders it's made quadruple its sales because of xbox game pass um, and that's a massive figure, right? So it's doing some wonders for indie games. Cool, and that's good. It's I find that Xbox Game Pass is great at discovery, you know. Um, but to add to the story here, um, those three games I mentioned, um, they'll mm-hmm. be live on March 25th at 8 p.m. Pacific, and then later on in April they'll be giving away Horizons Zero Dawn Complete Edition um between (laughs) april 19th and may 14th so there's apparently there's even more even bigger announcements coming uh
2: next month too so hopefully you can claim them on pc too because my ps4 broke last year and i haven't gotten a five yet so i'm hoping i can just go onto my account on pc and just you know yeah
3: you probably could for the playstation store but that i can't guarantee i can't guarantee i'm gonna check i'll let our listeners know because i'm I'm hoping that's the case let Let, let us know uh if you can do that or not when that when the time arrives um, so uh, what's the next story here? Oh uh, yeah, next the- story
2: is not fun news, but it's something that we gotta, you know, mention. Um, of course there's been a pretty big rise in anti-Asian American, uh, hate crimes. And, uh, that's been kind of happening throughout the pandemic, but it's gotten a lot, uh, worse. And then of course we recently had the, uh, shooting in, um, Georgia. Um, but it, it, one, one nice thing, uh, that did, happened uh, around that was uh, we did see a lot of companies um i'm looking at liana's article on game informer here uh bethesda ubisoft uh, facebook bungie twitch and uh they kind of had messages and kind of spoke up against it and sometimes it can be difficult to kind of find the uh sometimes it doesn't seem genuine when th- statements like this happen yeah, because but they jump in the bandwagon, be- right yeah. yeah but these these did seem to to, to be genuine and and, and even even if there, if there are any that are disingenuine, the, speaking up can still uh, have a, a positive impact. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's good to see. And then um, I wanted to mention too, Uppercut, uh, which if you haven't read or been following Uppercut at all, I would recommend checking them out. They're f- phenomenal. They're a really great website. They did a, uh, a fundraising stream uh, to support uh, Stop AAPI Hate, and they raised like a couple thousand dollars really great fantastic. a lot of and it started off just as a you know what let's try to you know we're gonna do a stream and try to raise some money and give away some games to people that donate and yeah I just checked their tweet in the end they raised almost $3,200 and um yeah I mean Uppercuts um I mean they're they're a great website uh this next statement's not me putting them down I'm just saying they're not even like IGN or like you know Game Informer sized and like they still made a really really huge uh you know impact and difference and so when we all do that it can uh definitely make this uh often shitty world a little a little better so yeah um kind of uh another uh, <laughs> uh not super good i mean i, I the playstation uh, bought evo fighting game championship series uh, announces 2021 event dates uh so um i i don't think that then buying that's necessarily bad i just i just mean that evo has been kind of you know
3: tainted yeah
2: yeah surrounded by some not good uh, uh, stuff.
3: sexual harassment allegations oh, yeah. yeah um yeah uh including minors i i remember
2: um, yeah i'm hoping that playstation owning them um helps clean yeah, up all that
3: bullshit. They, they need a rebrand for sure um because their president was i, I believe it's their president they were um he was uh, accused um of se- sexual misconduct and then um the whole event was cancelled uh, mm-hmm. over the summer um hmm. to reconstruct i guess and to, to rebuild um so yeah i hope playstation can bring this event back to its former glory um because it's a very pivotal kind of um time in for for, for fighting game uh players and the community itself it's um where all the games show up is where all the uh, where right. the community kind of gathers um so i hope playstation's successful with
2: that um that was the first thing i thought of is oh good hopefully they can clean you know clean them up because there's just been so many bad things come out of them
3: uh so yeah nintendo provided a statement because you know sony owning evo now like we don't know if like uh, super smash brothers is gonna be featured and that's like one of the major games from the show so they've said Uh, Quote, Nintendo has enjoyed engaging with fans at past Evo tournaments and wish the show uh, organizers the best with their new venture. Um, We will continue to assess Evo and other opportunities as we plan for future online and offline Super Smash Brothers tournament activity. End quote.
2: I would imagine PlayStation would try to do whatever they can to keep Smash as a part of it. I mean, I'm not a Smash player but i know smash yeah. brothers is you it's, know it's
3: a big views get uh, for the event yeah. um and uh yeah like it's it's it like super smash brothers has been really pivotal in that tournament's history so hopefully we'll see that back at some point or nintendo does their own thing i know they do their own esports events and they have their own initiative maybe nintendo versus so
2: this yeah. means we get a new playstation yeah smash brothers i forgot what theirs was all playstation
3: playstation all-stars battle royale i love that game and no one else likes it so
2: (laughs) well the game's the game's fine i just yeah Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we get a better name i think we should call it playstation Beat 'Em up boys or something Mm -hmm. i'm joking but something better because all-stars battle royale sounds like a like an off-brand kind of uh you know yeah game name i don't know uh fun news though um or at least you know there's nothing bad in this so uh good news fun news to talk about uh, Square Enix presents Heather uh, Digital Showcase. Uh, we'll run through these kind of quick because there's a lot um, okay. to, to get into. Um, the, the thing I think was really great. Um, I think I think I saw Gene Park tweet this from uh, Washington Post, but he mentioned that it was a good thing that they uh, kind of uh, you know announced ahead of time. Like here's what we're talking about. I think that was a great idea. Um, maybe Nintendo should consider doing that to, to prevent people from getting as wild as they do with oh man they're going to announce a a new you know this or that and so i think that was smart to kind of uh help with expectations of course a lot of that's just on people needing to be reasonable instead of you know predicting mother 3 is going to get announced for switch like you know people just run with predictions but anyway uh so i'm just going to kind of run through them we got an article here from polygon from owen s good um i don't know if this is an order i think it is but we're going to go with this either way. Nope. It's not in order. It's not. Okay. <laughs> um, so Life is Strange True Colors was announced. Uh, it's going to be uh, launching on September 10th. Google Stadia, PS4, PS5, PC, Xbox, Series X, pretty much everything except I don't see Switch. Um, so the first thing that I I, I think is uh, worth just, you know, we'll mention a couple quick things on this one. Um, there's going to be a uh, 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 Ultimate Edition or Better Edition, and it comes with a... Uh, Kind of a, a remake, remaster of a uh, life. The original life is strange, called life is strange two colors and uh, true colors, and it looks. Uh, or uh, no, that's that's the uh, regular game. What's the remake called? Oh, uh, it's just called remastered, I guess. Oh, yeah, is that what it's called? I'm sorry. Okay.
3: Yeah, Remastered anyway. collection. That's it.
2: Okay, Remastered collection. Okay, so yeah, it also comes to life is uh, strange remastered collection, which includes uh, the first game and before the storm, and they, the they didn't really show too much, but the game's gonna you know look better and play better and yeah
3: it's gonna stuff, be new so. animations as well i believe so like we won't see that like, stiff kind of movement we'll actually see like yeah
2: um
3: motion captured actors i believe which is
2: cool because um, i mean i i like i like the life is strange uh, games but um i definitely think that that's a uh makes the the, the yeah. point of entry difficult for new people is you know the games have a almost like a Bethesda jank going
3: and on. I think this is the death of episodic games as well, because True Colors is going to be released as a full title, so you have all five chapters, or I'm assuming it's five chapters in one kind of product. Um, I like episodic
2: formatting. Yeah. I just don't like waiting for releases. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense. So, like, uh, Alan Wake, um, or, or, or Getting a Walking Dead, or, I mean, sorry, a Telltale game, or Life is Strange style game, and playing it when it's all out. Like I'm saying, if I'm not having to wait for the content, I I like the, like the, the, you know, that, that structure, that flow. I think it works kind of fun for chapters and the structure, but yeah, I, I, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is I kind of hope that they still have, an episodic kind of flow yes they just, do yeah they yeah. do okay cool they said I, I like that
3: <laughs> the funny thing is is that you said um the storyline's so devastating that you could just like take a break for a while in, in the chapter <laughs> oh okay. it's in cool. chapters um but doc i, I did want to ask you do, do you think there is a future in episodic games
1: it's something that i have kind of thought about um like you know is there a way to make the model work I think the biggest failing of the model is that people try to... I think a lot of game devs like, ooh, we can you know make a, a second episode and respond to the criticisms of the first. Mm. And that's not actually viable. Um, I mean, look at how Valve just kind of stopped after a while because they kept trying to make them bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, Sin episodes failed. Like, episodic games fail. They fail a lot. Yeah. Um, and they fail often. And I think it's because... The only time that episodic stuff really seems to work is like in comics, where it's once a month. And let's be honest, manga sells way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked, I think, the guy who ran Shonen Jump uh, a while ago, you know, what did he think about competition from comics? And he was like, you know, oh, that indie stuff? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it, I don't think it was indie, but it was like, you know, that's really small. It doesn't really matter. You know, I, it's, it's it's like kid stuff to him. I might be wrong. It's so much bigger.
3: Yeah, I might be wrong, but I researched this for the gamer, and apparently My Hero Academia sold better than Batman and Spider-Man and all those big heroes, which is insane to me.
1: Yeah. It's not entirely surprising to me. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, that's because I already knew the statistic of, you know, manga sells really well. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They release Shonen Jump once a week with, like, 40 stories or something. True. They don't don't always work weekly or, or monthly. There are manga that do update monthly. Then there's stuff like Berserk that occasionally updates. But, you know, that's Kentaro Miura doing really difficult, complex art. Um, Yeah. Most of the time, weekly seems to work the best. Like in TV shows, you have, you know, up to 24, 26 episodes a season, and then you're done or you're coming back for the next series. Um, You know, it's not. It's it's and they're getting TV shows are getting shorter Like we used to have things like 24 when 24 was the standard, at least here in the United States. Um, but as they're, you know, as shows have got more expensive. Uh, they're getting to like 13, 8, 8 to 13 episodes on average. I think like Stranger Things is like eight or 10 episodes, um, that kind of thing. Right. They're shortening the length of shows, um, which has helped because it makes them much cleaner, much tighter. It works really good for serialized stories. In games, it's like, yeah, we'll do like five episodes and it'll take like a random amount. We won't even tell you when they're coming out. And so people are just like, I can't be bothered to pay attention to that. Yeah.
3: Um, Do do you think it's because game development is much more unpredictable than other forms of media? That they can't really guarantee, oh, this is going to come out this day and we have a roadmap.
1: that That is part of it. Because, you know, look, in Audios, we shipped a very small game. It takes place in one location, right? And it took us about 19 months to make it. Um, oh. I, I mean, admittedly part of that's because only two people were working on it for the last like six months of development. Um, but like, it takes time because you have to start from the creation of like light. Right. In a movie, you're like, yeah, we scouted a location. looks This looks really nice. Let's set up some lights. You know, if you do something like say she reaches into her handbag and pulls out a gun in a movie, you just do that in, in a game. It's like, you the have to hardest make the thing gun. To you get. have
2: to make the bag. You have to do the animation of them mm-hmm. grabbing the gun, and oh, for some reason they won't let go of the gun. And oh yeah. my god,
1: they're clipping through, right? Like there's a there was a chair in AudioS that if you sat in it, it would break the whole game. Oh damn! It could That's launch you in wow. the sky, or it could prevent you from getting out of it, or suddenly the doors wouldn't work. So we deleted the chair, uh, but we didn't see that in testing at all. So there's things like that that make it really hard. But the obvious way to do it. And the way that TV shows do it, unless you're South Park and they're crazy. Um, it's not an endorsement of the show. That's just the, a reference to the fact that they actually make the shows like in a week. Um, most TV shows film the entire thing, edit it, you know, have it all done before it starts airing.
2: Right. Like, Yeah, if they did that, like, okay, Life is Strange is, you know, three out and you're going to get a new episode once a month. And then they he- can make it a six month long uh, kind of experience and then they could kind of control the uh the ebb and flow of the discourse that could be mm-hmm. that could work i, yeah. I think
3: uh, that you the that word of mouth though will just falter by the end of it because like no one wants to cover oh yeah uh a review of like episode four you know when like there's a, a audience that ha- is less and less interested as it goes along you
1: know people but, drop out at like episode but here's the thing four. You ever look at like a TV website that follows, say, Westworld, and they have a person who's like, last night's episode, and then they talk about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you did weekly, uh, you could actually build something interesting. Mm. Have that could to have be it fun because
2: then the conversation would be
1: um, longer. Yeah, you could create water cooler conversations. The big problem is people go, I'll wait till it's done. And I think when you sell it a la carte, everyone else who does episodic, you know, is either free or you know, you're subbing to a service or something. Mm-hmm. So I think if I, let's say that I partnered up with Microsoft to do an episodic game, I would absolutely tr- like push for like a weekly release. So I would have the game all done. Sweet. And then it would just update once a week. Yeah. That and I know some cool. people would be would like, like be, why can't I have great. it all at once? It's like, did, well, did... I, I, I want to do a pacing thing. Like I want to create moments yeah. of like, you know, you walk into the room and there's a j- bathtub full of jellyfish and a dead guy has been stung to death in it. And then the game, you know, cuts, and you're like, next oh, week. What's go- what's coming next yeah. week? I think. You know. Tell me why I did that with every two
3: weeks or something like that.
2: I bet that helped. I, I haven't played it yet. Yeah. yeah, but I bet that. Yeah, that probably did help. Yeah, I
3: I I, I hope that model continues um, on Xbox Game Pass because I think that like really sustains that kind of model. that would
2: and that would be a good way for them to, to kind of test it out too yeah i
1: think a subservice is going to be the best place for that kind of model of game mm-hmm. okay
2: doc so you need to get with microsoft and say hey let's make a game pass exclusive where you can't buy the game and it's only in game pass
1: you know and then something like that maybe and then me, it's being me, me being me i'd always want you to be able to buy the game but i would not let you buy it a la carte. you would have to buy the whole thing hmm that way,
2: that way, you're still waiting for the. That would also help with um, there being less conversation over the cost because that tends to be like I remember Resident Evil Revelations 2, There was a, it was confusing because there was like three ways to buy it, and you know that kind of gets in front of the the actual
1: game. So yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Remove all barriers, like for the yes. love of God, remove all barriers.
3: Yeah, yeah, you can do any format you want you know we, we've seen that so many times like with battle royale genre we've seen that you know as like the um, games as a service model has flourished you know like there's so many different things you can do in the space now so mm-hmm. um and I, I i like what square enix is doing with their next uh one of their biggest projects coming up uh, next year um that is called uh forespoken which was uh, previously called project
2: afia much better name yeah better name. oh
3: yeah for sure for sure. It gives um, me hope
2: for a project triangle strategy. Maybe we could give that a real fucking
3: <laughs> name. Yeah, exactly. But well, I don't I, I think it's actually gonna be called that. Um probably but I this... remember
2: when we were wondering what the what the actual name was gonna be for Project Octopath Traveler, and then they were like, tell you guys what. Bam, <laughs> Octopath Traveler, and I was like, you bastards.
3: But but this game is gonna be it, like it's huge for representation, I think. Um, because this JRPG from Final Fantasy XV studio, uh, Luminous Productions. Um, it's going to start um, a black uh, protagonist starring uh, Ella Belinska as uh, Frey Hollands. So yeah, this is going to be her facing off against dragons and um, colossal beasts and untamed land. We, we don't know much about this project yet. We saw like a brief teaser, but from what we saw, it, it looks very impressive.
2: I like the color and lighting a lot. If, yeah. if, if the final game has that kind of color and lighting, then that'll make me happy because it, it just looks sharp.
3: And what makes me super excited about this project is that it's going to be a blend between Western kind of like story design and like writing mm. and Japanese game development, because this is going to be the writing team is led by Gary Witter, who's known for uh, Rogue One. Um, and, book of eli, uh, book of eli. Yeah, yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how this turns out um we also found out it won't just be on ps5 it will also be on pc uh so hmm. that is a very exciting game i'm um very much looking forward to hearing more of we yeah we a little bit more about riders so but uh, yeah it looks is a complete freak show and i'm scared of it
2: and i like that you were kind of interested in that when it was first announced no, no, and now you're like get that shit away the demo me. and
3: it's horrifying um <laughs> but the next one uh next piece of news i kind of called marvel's avengers uh, black Panther dlc um uh, we are going to get that um later this year and it's set in like a, a, like a war of wukanda v- v- kind of like cool, landscape cool. Uh, so i'm very excited to see more of that um i think that will re-energize the game.
2: I hope so, because I, I want to play I like games of service. Like yeah. when it's done right, I really like that genre. And yeah. I know the story, you and Joseph, when we reviewed it, you were, when you guys reviewed it, you guys liked the story a lot. Yeah. They just the need to figure out how to get the game. other aspect of it to work if they're gonna keep it as a games of service style game. Yeah. Everybody and... wants to be destiny, but they're not being destiny, you know? Like
3: And Black Panther's a really cool character. Like, I Like he Panther, he's completely yeah. unique in that roster. He's not just like another bow and arrow kind of guy, you know, he he uses his claws, he has (laughs) melee combat, so it's going to add a bit of variety to the game already, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Um, Yep. Uh, Uh, The uh, next
2: one I was very, very happy about, it's uh, Tomb Raider Definitive Survivor Trilogy. I absolutely love the the, uh, Tomb Raider uh, kind of soft reboot trilogy um I, I haven't really played a lot of the uh, older ones i mentioned this before but whenever i say that i just want to say i'm not saying anything bad about the old games i just didn't really engage with them because i was a, a kid and you know those games were fucking hard when i was a kid so i didn't really play the old games but anyway uh two major third 2013 was like one of my favorite games that year i think it did a lot of really good things and um so i'm glad that this is still happening it kind of felt like uh, square enix uh was kind of I don't know. I felt like they were getting more hesitant around what they did with Tomb Raider when uh, Shadow didn't hit the projected like sales they wanted it to hit. Um, I, I just, I'm glad to see that they're still doing stuff with it, and I hope that we see more games too because I, I love what they've made so far with uh, with this. Crystal Dynamics is uh, is great.
3: Yeah, I think a new one's coming. Um, they they said during this stream uh, that more Tomb Raider related announcements are coming.
2: Cool. So... I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, anime too.
3: Yeah, and I think it's the twenty fifth anniversary if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So
2: Yep, they're they're doing more than Nintendo did for uh, Mario, who is <laughs> right. the most well known video I'm so frustrated. They did more for Luigi during yeah. the year of Luigi than Mario's anniversary. You,
3: you know what made me really sad? Like what? Um I saw I, I made a pitch based on what I saw in SEO. Um, you know, search engine optimization for Fortnite. And one of the terms was like, "Who is Lara Croft?" <laughs> oh no! So there's a lot of people that that uh, kids, are, uh, I, I guess, don't know who uh, Lara Croft is. So,
2: well, thank you for helping because Lara Croft is one of my she's cool favorite. Yeah, she's she's. Play I, I I logged on to Fortnite that day, which I hadn't really played as much last few months. I've been busy. I logged on just to just to buy her because I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like that's great.
1: Have you played the new trilogy?
2: Uh, oh yeah
1: i love the first two games um Mm -hmm. i really 100% games but i 100 percented both of them sweet uh i actually 100 percented. i think uh the first one twice and even though i like rise actually more um did not like the third one at all (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: i i I, I haven't uh, played the third one yet but i've heard a lot of mixed reception on it
1: i i think the way they structured it there's a lot less like exploration there's a lot less like thinking about a space that you're in. Mm. Yeah. Those are my favorite things in
2: the, like the, the tombs being optional in the first game. I was like, why are these optional? These are like amazing, you know? Like,
1: yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think Rise is, is pretty much the perfect tomb Raider game for me. Mm. I know there are people who would probably want more advanced tombs, but those are like the people who are like breath of the wild sucks. Cause it doesn't have dungeons. And it's like, that's, okay i mean i i get it but dungeons are my least favorite part of zelda so right i like I mean, the
2: shrines a lot it's a really like hey play with this idea for five
1: minutes okay moving on like yep. it's it's great it doesn't
3: feel laborious, I, I, and I, yeah, completely I, agree. I think
1: when you make an open world game dungeons have a bad tendency of kind of you start to feel stuck this is one of the problems i had with persona 5 royal which is actually my favorite game i played last year except for maybe yakuza 7 which has the same problem uh Dungeons, I just don't like them. I just don't. So the the relatively brisk pace of the Tomb Raider's tombs, or sorry, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider's tombs is something I liked. I did hate the plot, though. I think the, I mean, I just. the jo- plot
2: for the, for the 2013 one was, like, perfect. So I didn't like Rises as much. Like, the one for yeah. 2013 wasn't very, like, complex. It was just, it was what it needed to be. It was a thread that, you, that moved you through the game, and it was just, you know. Yeah, it
1: was it it was was there. It was simple. The problem that I had was like, well, I think I said before the third game came out, the first two words in that game are going to be my father. And I was pretty much pretty much right. I don't know if it was actually my father, but it was it. They were some of the first words spoken in the game. And it's like, why do we need to have this constant? Like she became the Tomb Raider at the end of the first game. Why did we spend two full games retelling that same story? Yeah, we already know she can do it. Like it's no longer interesting. Right. Uh,
2: it's kind of like uh, killing Batman's parents in every movie. Like,
1: <laughs> And you know what sucks? That's a dumb arc for her. The idea of being inspired by her dad, because the original Lara Croft was way cooler because her parents were like, we want you to be Paris Hilton. And she was like in a plane crash and survived it and went, this is really fun. I'm going <laughs> to become a world renowned archaeologist. And they're like, no, we want you to be this dumb socialite. And she was like, nope. I'm cool, actually. Like she, she was more independent. She was more interesting. This Lara Croft is defined entirely by her father, who was never around because he's dead or something. I don't even remember because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's a game that takes away her agency and makes her someone chasing after someone else's legacy, and it's when she doesn't love...
2: need to do that. Like just oh, yep. she's a badass.
1: That'll yeah, be it's, it's her. the problem that I have with so many stories that are being told like in entertainment media today uh this is the same problem that we saw in uh the rise of skywalker right she (laughs) She can't be her own person she has to be like i have to be a skywalker now because she can't just be her own person and that makes the universe smaller it's about people living up to someone else's you Mm -hmm. know identity or whatever that's not good storytelling. It's not interesting storytelling. You were watching a person basically live, like, be someone else's proxy. Like, Lara's dad is clearly more interesting than her because he chose to be a, you know, adventurer for some other reason. Uh, but she chose just to be like him, and it's like, then I'd rather see his story. And I'm right, like, if his is actually
2: better than just show me his.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I would rather see Lara. I, I don't care about her father. Stop trying to make her father more interesting than she is let her be the interesting one so that's my little rant on the series but i love rise as a game like it's just that perfect little like tick 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 checking everything off the list feels really nice uh i, I did have problems with the fact that bullets come out of the guns rather than the radical um which leads to the, her holding the gun at a really weird angle uh, to mm. make it try to work um, it's a big problem in games. A lot of game designers are like, of course, bullets come out of the gun, which sounds right. And then you like aim at a guy and you pull the trigger, and like the bullet goes in the wall next to you, and you're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> but that's a that's a whole other.
3: But yeah, other it, it, sorry. If you're interested in this trilogy, it's, it is currently 19.99 right now, but it will go up to 49.99 in two weeks. So I will say it is absolutely
2: in. worth it for the first game alone. Like honestly, like mm. the first game is great so th- that's a very good deal because i haven't played shadow yet but rise in the first game are phenomenal are, are um, we speaking get, of are we oh, oh, sorry, get a ahead.
1: free upgrade if we already own it or um is it a I new SKU? um i think so
3: um
2: i know that on console that's not the case because on xbox i had the option to buy it because i was curious if if um if it was like an update, or if it was a different, like if it was a different, you know, game, like you mentioned, I like I went to it at the store and it gave me the option to buy it. So, but I'm checking on a uh, Steam right now just to see if uh, if that's the case on Steam, because I could see Steam doing like a free free upgrade thing, maybe.
3: Uh, yeah, it can be played through backwards compatibility. I'm getting that from the, the gamer. Hmm.
2: So yeah, Tim a...
3: Raider Definitive Survivor Trilogy can be played on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X slash S via backward compatibility. The Mi- Microsoft a... Store mentions 5- 4K resolution and HDR support.
2: But it's not a free upgrade. Like, it's a it's a separate purchase, isn't it?
3: I don't believe it's it's, it's
2: so. What, it's what it's... Well, like, I mean, like it's not, it's not, you already bought this, so this is upgrading for free. Like, you're having to buy a separate version of it, aren't you? That's what it looks like. Okay, so I just checked on Xbox's website, and I, I'm signed in, and I own the, uh, the the first two games at least. And it it the Tomb Raider Definitive Survivor Trilogy is a uh, a separate purchase. It's not something I can just add to my library. So, okay, um, unless maybe maybe if I owned all three, that's something I can't test. I don't own yeah. Shadow so i'll
3: i'll send square Enix an email just in case so we can clarify that next week
2: yeah but as of right now it does look like it's probably a separate purchase which is a bummer but yeah at least it's on sale um i'm actually tempted to to grab that because i don't have shadow anyway so it's like i would might as well yeah i would be getting shadow for 20 plus better versions of the other two games so but um speaking of problematic things, just Cause Mobile was also announced <laughs> and uh it is a game. Um I don't know. We can skip I don't this one. But it...
3: like, yeah, it's just like... Yeah, there's
2: not much to say. I don't think I don't think it looks like bad it just doesn't look remarkable. So was I think also... it's interesting to have it in this presents thing. Yeah,
3: right? there's also a Hitman game. Um uh I think it's a sniping game like mobile sniping game. I um... loved
1: Hitman Sniper Challenge for the uh Yeah. It was... The free game with Absolution, and then they made it mobile and not, you know, a real game, and it made me sad. I mean, not that mobile games aren't real, but like, I, I wanted more of what I had, and they, right, turned it they into a free to play yeah. thing, and made me sad. I and think I'm a guy who they're plays gonna, so. yeah, I think they're
3: gonna, I think it's from a new developer, Square Enix Montreal, who is known for the Hitman Go series and Lara Croft Go. Um, so it, there could be a possibility of this being a really good. Sniping game but we'll just have to wait and see for more details in the coming
2: months about that also io interactive owns hitman now too they're not part of square enix
3: but for some reason square enix might have the rights to the mobile games perhaps like there
2: might oh, have been a maybe. deal maybe we're probably going to see a whole bunch of those then if <laughs> yeah. that's the only way they can make money off the but game
3: an interesting um thing that came up is that um it's going to be an exciting year for hitman fans this year in two, hmm. 2021 so i don't know what's going on there because square enix is saying that but io interactive owns the rights yeah console games i it? uh I it looks
2: like it didn't, didn't play the older ones back in the day and then i played 2016's hit the 2016 hitman after uh uh not 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 at the time but like you know a few years ago um after hearing a podcast i like uh, watch out for fireballs talk about just like just the sh- they were talking in detail about the game and like just the sheer amount of variety in that game and like it's almost like like a Breath of the Wild kind of thing, where if you think you can do this, you probably can. And that was just, it made it such an interesting, you know, thing to kind of play in. So I, I definitely need to check out 2 and 3, because I, I loved the uh, first one. Uh, they also announced Space Invaders AR, which I'm not normally as into stuff like this, but this looks kind of cool. Like, Yeah. I don't know, it looks neat.
3: In the, the the series kind of needs a refresh, so it'd be it'd be yeah. nice to see it like come new, I guess. Um, but that's it from Square Presents. I I think that was a successful show. They're going to continue yeah, it's good. on with like a summer showcase. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they have in store. Um, but yeah, um, uh, f- thanks for joining us. By the way, Doc. Uh, yeah, right. I, I know we're going a bit long. Um, so. Uh, let us know if you need to pop out or something um
2: yeah and thanks for not only coming on but coming on during you know what must be one of your busiest weeks with uh oh my god know, it's been crazy, the but stuff.
1: I, I need to stop though you know i I need to step back um, and and kind of not do things for a bit but I still am pushing the game obviously right. um had the clever idea to retweet my viral January Twitter thread um, and it's picking up steam again That's um, so cool. um, which is good because I linked the audio steam store page on it. So I'm hoping that works as, as, as marketing. Like I'm, I'm being inventive here. I, I changed my steam name to, you know, buy audios. It's my game. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm doing everything that I can to like get people to buy this game. Cause like, for me, this game will succeed if we, uh, if we do 10,000 copies in a month, like after that, I don't care. I need um, the
2: horse to follow me around the, 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 the stuff you talked about where you guys will oh, big, add if it sells well. Yeah,
1: that's why I said I'm going to do big horse mode because I've for about two years, I've basically been establishing a brand of really disliking horses It actually predates that um, I made comments about uh, my nemesis, the Clydesdale, like on my old Twitter account back in like 2014, 2013. So I've been doing it for a while is a bit, but um, I have a horse game planned that I really want to do um it's about like a horse cult and dealing with and stuff and so i i put seeds of that in adios which is why the horse scenes are as strange as they are and why (laughs) there's an incentive for you know big horse mode just a gigantic horse that's staring at you and if we do a hundred thousand sales i will try to get ron perlman to voice the horse and if not him maybe mike Patton. oh that'd be amazing Um, that would be everything (laughs) i want that yeah like But for me, 10,000 copies, you know, during a pandemic time when narrative games aren't super, like, doing super great, that would make it a success to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to sell 30,000 copies on Xbox, though, um, because I think then Microsoft would make a pretty good profit on us, you know, with the store cut and stuff. Um, And I think that would convince them. you know, to, to do more projects with us in the future, we can make, that would be really cool if they were like, Um, Hey,
2: your game sold well, let's fund something like, yeah, exactly.
1: Like, yeah, I, I would love to, you know, look, this is going to sound horrible, uh, for a lot of reasons, but look, I would love to be acquired by Microsoft, like just straight up because fundamentally they can give me a medical plan and, you know, I could get diabetic care. And as a diabetic, I would love that. Um, but also, Microsoft, from what I've heard from various people who've worked at Microsoft Studios, they're all like, you know, don't, you know, don't tell anyone I told you this, but and every single one is like, I really like Microsoft. Uh, they've been really good to us. So I would like to work there. I know that there have been, you know, past instances where people weren't happy. Um, but I, I think Phil and his his management team have done a, like Sachin and Della, who runs Microsoft like in general, I think all of these these guys really get that gaming is a core part of Microsoft now. And they're, I, I think people are starting to get, I like gaming. that you
2: said that. Cause yeah, there was a long time where it was almost like, that's what it was. It was like, Xbox was treated like the stepchild of Microsoft. And after, so because of that. Yeah.
1: After Paul Allen and Bill Gates left, uh, the PC division got shut down. And apparently those two guys had been the ones who pushed for flight simulator to always have like a bi-yearly release. Mm. Um, and after they left, uh, they shut down Ensemble, they shut down, you know, so no more Age of Empires, they shut down uh, Aces Team, which made Flight Simulator, um, just everybody got shut down. Um, and we thought it was just moving to Xbox, and then you know, some people are like, oh, Xbox is going to shut down, because they want it to shut down, because they're, you know, they grew up with PlayStation or whatever, and they just hate the idea of Xbox. But like, Microsoft makes money on it, they make enough of it that it's worth doing for them, and it's not enough to them, like, Microsoft won't live or die if it lives or dies, Um but now they're backing it up, like they're they're supporting it like wholeheartedly. I think they realize how huge Game Pass can be. Um, they're already making a lot of money on Game Pass, really. Uh, because we, oh yeah,
3: as a show, we've been asking,
1: how do they make the money? Like that, uh, a certain probably... number of subs. Yeah, yeah. There's you... a, there's a reason that. Adobe makes way more money now than when they sold their software for mm, over thousand dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. Think of it like that. The
3: monthly kind of deal is more of a, I don't know, appetizing, I guess. To, mm-hmm. to people, I
2: would also guess that it gets you in their ecosystem because yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you primarily play in Game Pass, or so that's mostly what you play. But eventually, you're going to buy a game. Eventually, you're going to buy DLC. Eventually, you're going to sign up for subscriptions. Like,
1: I have no, games. I have no data on this, but. I'm fairly confident that games with DLC sell, like, make a lot of money on DLC yeah. when they're on Game Pass. But also, if you get a game on Game Pass and you're like, oh, I really like this, you should buy it. Then your friend who just absolutely refuses to get Game Pass might buy it. Mm-hmm. So it creates a word of mouth factor for people who are risking on games they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. Listen, there's, I, we could go into a whole lot about that. But, I, I find uh, it crazy that
3: Forza Horizon 4 has been doing so well on Steam because it's available on Xbox Game Pass.
1: Like, yeah, but people you know, people hate the Microsoft Store because right. it's broken. Yeah, it doesn't even tell me that I own Forza Motorsport 3 or Forza Horizon 3. I have to do a bunch of shenanigans to force it to download that game, right? Even though I own it, I've had to do
2: like weird workarounds to download. Uh, games that um you know because they have like the cross purchase where if you you know if you buy if i if i buy quantum break on my xbox i Mm -hmm. digitally then i have it on pc too i've had Mm -hmm. issues where like i'm trying to download it my pc to play and i have to like you know like refresh and close and just all kinds of stuff just to get the game to show up so yeah i i I see what you're yeah i could see why people are like oh i'm just gonna buy this on steam
3: well Mm -hmm. we'll let you ponder on that uh, as we take a break so we'll be right back And so we are back, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, my name is Chris Penwell. I think Josh Nichols forgot my name uh, but uh, at the beginning. Um, but yeah, we have listener questions. We're going to cover what we've been playing. So um, at PlayStation, he sent to us on Twitter, what would your Life is Strange superpower be? So um, let's start with our guest first. I've never played Life is Strange. Oh, so okay. Well, well uh, <laughs> let's change it to like, sorry. what superpower would you like? Uh,
1: for me, gosh, probably probably the superpower to just, you know, regenerate. I know there's a lot of cooler powers out there, but as somebody with medical issues, uh, you know, having Wolverine's healing factor would be pretty nice. Pretty mm, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, either that or, you know, the uh, reality manipulation, mm. you know, if we're talking really powerful, because then I could just manipulate reality and i could be healthy and so could everyone else
2: yeah uh mine would be the same and the reason i i didn't have an answer at first but then when you mentioned wolverine i thought of how um i used to smoke uh cigarettes and i i quit like years ago and uh, i always thought it was cool that wolverine could just smoke and like it wasn't bad for him because his body regenerates the damage as he's doing it and i thought how cool would that be to be able to just smoke and you know, do things that would normally harm you, but like they don't harm you and we could just get the positives instead of the, uh, negatives attached. So yeah, I would want to have that power so I could smoke cigarettes without hurting my body.
1: Cool. Um, uh... (laughs) Probably not cool,
2: but you know, yeah, that'd be cool.
1: You would look really cool though.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I would look so cool and I would live forever while being able to look cool with my foot up against a wall and my, my cool jacket and my smokes.
3: Um, for me, uh, I would uh, like the power of flight, so I don't have to char- Don't have to be charged for uh, crazy air fl- airplane tickets.
2: <laughs> I'd fly next to the plane and flip them off. I'd be like, "Look at yeah.
1: that!" Yeah, exactly. Now, if you fly, how do you get luggage anywhere? Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's true.
3: Check it- a
2: bag, but don't get on the plane. But
3: but here's the thing: I, I don't bring much with me, so I just bring like a bag. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I just traveled the world it's just a, bag, a backpack, yeah.
2: <laughs> like, uh, Jumper? Did you guys ever see that movie? That movie was I've heard a, of it.
3: It has that the guy movie, played but it played Anakin, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, Hayden Christensen. That's it, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he could just, like, basically teleport, and Samuel L. Jackson chases him because he's mad at him. I forgot. But it was a neat movie. Um, so, uh... We have been playing a lot of games, too. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Doc. He does have to go in a few minutes. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Doc. We uh, went a little past, so, yeah, we thought we would uh, have you I mean, go that's partly and...
1: my fault for talking so
2: much. No worries. No, like, you said interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And we haven't really set up a format yet for, like, okay, um, we want game developers to talk about their games and their process, but how do we fit that into a normal episode? Yeah. You know I mean? So
2: and 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 fun. plus, it's like you said when you make games, you try to put interesting dialogue in. You did the same thing here.
3: That was
1: fantastic. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah. So what kinds of games have you been playing?
1: Anything? Anything good? Anything tasty? Oh, so much Arknights. I know that's a that's a probably a bad thing, you know, considering it's a free to play gotcha game. But I'm having fun. Uh, I I actually got into gotchas with. Uh, Another game I've been playing a lot, um, Genshin Impact, uh, which is a game I like more than Breath of the Wild because the characters are way wow. more fun to play. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't game. really I, I imagine if you have an attachment to Breath of the Wild like, or to Zelda that you love the game, but I don't. So yeah. I, I wrote about it for US gamer a while ago and I said something like, you know, Breath of the Wild shouldn't actually be this good. And they I think they made it that like I think they called it shouldn't be this good which kind of implies that it is good but the piece is more like is it really doing anything super remarkable I'm mm. not so sure you know like I'm not really a big fan of like going into a bokoblin or a whatever they're called you know hang out killing a bunch of them and then you know they respawn or whatever like I, I didn't really like what I was playing but now that I'm playing it on Genshin and there's like co-op and you have you know a character who moves like Virgil from Devil May Cry named Kaching who's just amazing um and she's a cat girl or a fox girl or something she's great i love her she's my main um you know it's fun it's fun to play um the writing is also way better than zelda uh it's genuinely funny some of the best localization i've ever seen i I agree yep um it is a really good looking game um
3: stunning have you played it on ps5 yet Oh, do you have a PS? I
1: I've not. I've only played it on PC. But I mean, I have a twenty eighty Ti because you know I yeah. develop video games, so I have a beefy rig. It looks gorgeous um, in four K. It like it looks oh, it does amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I work yeah. in four K, uh, so I have I have to have four K monitors. For oh it. yeah, you would not believe what your your screen looks like on ten eighty p. It's it's hard <laughs> to make games like that. So yeah, I I play it four K. Uh, I haven't tried HDR, but I don't think the game actually has that. Yeah, um, I,
3: I think but, they're going to make optimizations for PS5, so perhaps that that oh, will trickle cool. down to PC at some point. Yeah, uh, but it
1: I, just it still looks good on the PS4 version, just
3: upscaled to on the PS5. I elected there, so.
1: not to play it there just because uh, I've got PC and phone cross save,
0: mm. oh, uh, so you yeah. know I can just
1: play it in bed, or I can get up and you know walk to my computer and play. And I mean, as somebody who does that all with Microsoft games, that's what I do for the real. You know, air quotes games. I know a lot of mobile people would probably. How, how it is this. it on
2: mobile? Because that I what? like. I like when there's good mobile games.
1: I wouldn't recommend it uh, yeah. as like I, I don't really do the gameplay in it. I just do most of the, like checking stuff, and then I use my Google oh. like survey points to buy stuff okay. because what else am I going to buy in the Google Play Store? Um, you know, better buy polls than let my money expire from all these surveys I'm doing. Right? <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's free money. Um, but. Uh, for, for you know, the sort of non-gacha games I'm playing, uh, I just started Fire Emblem Awakening. I, and I, 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 yeah. I love that game. I, I like it so far. It's, it's really cool. The characters are really neat. The combat is pretty snappy. I tried pro- tr- Project Triangle Strategy, didn't really love it. Um, I, I'm kind of in a funk where I'm kind of jumping through a lot of things. So, you know, played some Digimon Cyber Sleuth again last night, got it. <laughs> With my hacked Switch, so that I could stream it to myself in another room. Oh. Uh, so instead of buying a second Switch copy and having you know different saves, I just uh, just started playing it on my Switch in a different room uh, using NVIDIA game streaming and the Android hack for because uh, you can run Android on a Switch. Oh, so the Android hack for Switch. So I did some of that, played some Dragon Quest Builders two today. Um, you know, just kind of all over the place, but the kind of the main. The main thing I'm playing right this second is probably going to be um, Fire Emblem Awakening. That's probably what I ended up focusing on. Oh, uh, but I am also that was my first
2: it. uh That was my first Fire Emblem. I remember um, I was thinking about getting it, and then I remember hearing it was going to be the last one if it didn't sell well. And so the developer was putting a lot into it. And I thought, well, this might end up being the best one in the series. I should check it out. You know, I should check it out. And it
1: yeah, It sounds really like a great it. entry point.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And so far, what I played, it feels like a great one, too. I was really intimidated by how people were describing the game to me. Um, so I hadn't touched it for years, but now I am. And I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. But I'm only like chapter three. So I'm not very far along. Um, But I'm also playing Umorangi Generation. I just want to give that game a shout out. It is a brilliant game. And it does the thing that I love most in games, which is or really art in general. It is specific to a location. Like, this is a game made by new zealanders it has or is it australia i think it's i think it's a new zealander who lives in australia i hope i got that right um but it has cultural specificity to it like oh. audios is set along highway 69 which is right along the kansas missouri border um it's also an internet meme <laughs> but you know the highway is next to the kansas border and i did my best to make this a very american game right like i talked about american chestnut trees and stuff like that so when i see umurangi generation and i see this game that is just very specifically of its culture and i think it is new zealand because i think it's maori culture um it it makes me excited to kind of discover and you know fall in love with with something new something i've never seen before something that i should be exposed to because as a you know responsible global citizen i should be aware of the world around me um mm-hmm. and so it's really exciting to play like to to know that here's a person who clearly loves or feels some you know strong passion for their their home and their culture and you know um grapples with kind of capitalism and, and american imperialism and some other stuff and it it's a game with like no dialogue so far <laughs> what i played i don't i don't think it has any you just walk around taking pictures
2: it's really pretty too i'm looking i'm looking at like the trailer on oh, steam it's, it's yeah. really pretty
1: it's gorgeous like like if if you think audios is good and you think that i can be trusted with good opinions because i made a good game umurangi generation is a fucking amazing video game i will shill that game as hard as i can like please buy it it's real good um and it has a Switch port now I don't know if that's out yet, but it, it does have a switch port. Ooh,
2: okay. Um yeah, I like playing on PC. Like I don't mind it, but if I right? you know if the is just as good on Switch, that's why I'd prefer to play it.
1: Big caveat, uh when I reinstalled Windows, I discovered that it doesn't have cloud saving. Uh so I'm starting over uh, and I don't mind because uh, I love the game.
3: Oh, well, cool.
2: Uh yeah, it looks like it's not out. I just looked up an article uh for the switch port. It looks like it's supposed to be out uh later this year and it's gonna have gyro controls. Too. sweet yeah and it's like a pokemon like- snap
3: kind of game right that's what i've heard like it's similar like it's inspired by it
1: maybe i've never played pokemon snap so i couldn't say oh, okay. you, mm. you have different like you do things that get you money and camera equipment um and then you can go back and take even different better pictures hmm. uh, there's filters and stuff you can apply it's really cool
2: yeah, this looks cool. I'm going to have to check this out and uh, we'll we'll link it in the show notes too. So As, that way... as somebody
1: who made two games with photography, although admittedly in Audios uh, we cut the photography mechanic because we weren't sure it would work on Xbox. Um, and we will... If we sell enough to justify being able to keep working on Audios uh, and not have to just move on to something else, we may try to put photography back in. Um, somebody who really likes photography mechanics in games, this made me very happy.
3: Hmm. You should play Beyond Good and Evil if you haven't already, though
1: i have it's yeah, been a while I, I don't remember where i stopped playing but i did play quite a bit its use of photography is very cool um and i hope more
3: games do it eventually but like that is it's very unique
2: <laughs> well thanks again for coming on doc i you know we're really happy that you're able to you know uh come hey. on and that you you did thank you you know we appreciate it
1: i'm i'm thanks really much. grateful for uh for you having me and i'm really glad you enjoyed audios uh they oh, for it the was, kind words
2: it was very cool i was actually going to going to buy it and then i mean i'm still going to buy a copy to you know support the game and stuff but like it was re- i was really happy that i got to review it because i was like oh i'm looking forward to this game like i i want to play that's my favorite part about reviewing a game um or not my favorite part but one of my favorite parts is like oh i get to play the game i want to play early like now i don't have to wait like it's just it's it's fun but yeah um i did three playthroughs on my own. And then I also watched my wife do a playthrough too, just because I wanted to see, you know, people always pick up different stuff. You know, there mm-hmm. was details I, I picked up that, you know, she didn't and vice versa. And it's just, especially interesting for narrative focus games to kind of pick up on those details and stuff. Like I didn't, um, I'm terrible at names. So please, this isn't because of the, uh, the, I'm sure the game tells you, I just forgot right now, but uh, this, this son, um, is it, is it bill? Yeah, it's bill. Okay. Yeah. Like I didn't interact with a lot of his stuff in his room Mm -hmm. just because I I walked in and looked around and was just kind of, just kind of took it in. But then I I got distracted and happened to, you know, go, go into another room and was looking at other stuff. But my wife like engaged with like everything in that room. And it was just like, Oh, this is so cool. I didn't know you could, you know, hear this music and, and mess with the 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 tape deck. And yeah, it was just really lived in. And I, I love when games, Feel like they're lived in instead of just like random like oh we trash we worked, in the world.
1: We worked really hard, and again, super small budget, obviously. And somebody said we had twenty people in our our credits, and it's like, well, I mean, we had Julian in for an hour, <laughs> right? Uh, voice acting—that's not really, you know. Or we had—I uh I think Edie was also in for an hour. We had Bill in for I think two hours, like you know, it, it's when you're working a game for 19 months uh no it's not like we had 20 people working full-time on the game i think our full-time staff was uh five people um and that doesn't i mean three of those people were contractors who ended up moving on when they were done back in the like last summer so Mm. i was mostly
2: two people yeah Yeah, it it was mostly
1: two of us yeah um so yeah it i I liked
2: Edie. i liked that you could pretty much hang up whenever you wanted to at when she was talking i thought that was really neat because like
1: i've had conversations
2: like that with people you know like okay bye
1: (laughs) yeah i i originally wrote that into the script that you are automatically cut her off and then our our wonderful sound director chris uh (laughs) he's like can i write a monologue for her i have this really good idea and i was like can he do it i don't know so i think i said something you know if if you think you can do it like like write it up show me and you know if it's good we'll put it in of course it was excellent because chris is excellent um which was just a wonderful thing to experience uh and she just knocked it out of the park edie did um it said it said
2: herself in the credits i wanted to ask you about that too is is that just someone you know named edie
1: no no um so to get bill in the game bill is not a professional actor but he is the person i knew i wanted for the character so I knew going into the project, we were having someone non-union on it, which means that no, like union people aren't really supposed to work on it. Uh, you know, they can, but they, they can, might get in some trouble if they do. Right. So she, uh, being a union actress, uh, just um, said that's how she wanted to be credited.
2: Gotcha. That was, yeah, I thought that was a, a, a cute touch.
1: Yeah. I think there was like a, you know, if you ever want to work on a union project, let me know. So. Like I would love to be credited, but I I don't want to be credited on this one. So um, just because she didn't want to get in trouble with you. union, like so, she, oh sorry, she seemed to love it. But yeah, that was a
3: that was the thing. Yeah. So where can people find uh, Adios? And are, are there any other platforms uh, planned for the game?
1: Um, if there were, I couldn't tell you anything about it for reasons. sure. <laughs> um, you know, obviously follow at mischief develop on Twitter uh that is where we post you know news about the game and stuff you can also get it from me but i tweet way more uh i'm at doc squiddy on twitter uh so you know follow me or not it's it, it, it you may like it you may not i'm uh i'm a difficult follow i think uh for some people <laughs> i i use i use twitter as like a chat program so for me it's no different than irc and i know some people don't love that um but other people love it so i, I have some diehard fans so that's that's you know, always awesome.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, at DocSweeney on Twitter is where I do a lot of my musing, where I post links to like my game design blog thoughts, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, audios, I tweeted about it in February 2019 or January 2019. Uh, and then we announced it in like April 2020. So I was like, I played the long game. haha. So, I mean, if you ever want to get a sense of what I might be making next, uh, I have tweeted about every game idea I think I could make. And, uh, I have yet to pitch a game to anyone and begin working on a game to, with anyone that I'm at least directing, uh, without, you know, with like, I always, I always tweet about it first. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at some point I become like super famous and people go back through all through my old tweets and they find all these crazy ideas and like, what's gonna <laughs> make, you know, and then I make one. Cause I, I love, I love coming up with pitches that seem impossible and then aren't, yeah. um, but let's see. Uh we're on Steam right now. We are on itch.io, and we are on Xbox. So you can you can get audios there. We are not on Game Pass. I don't know where that came from. I've heard a lot of people saying, why isn't this on Game Pass? It's not showing up on Game Pass. What's wrong? We're just not there. We never were. They have to choose whether to put us on the, the software. Like they they can ask us, like, you know, would you like to be on? But like that's up to them. We don't I would be on Game Pass right now if I could. If if it was my choice, we would be there. But it is Microsoft's choice. And last I heard from other developers, they were booked up. So hmm. it's not even a quality thing. It's just like uh, by the time we started talking to them, my assumption is is they were already booked up. So they just never you know came up to us and were like, hey, do you want to be on Game Pass? Because presumably they're full. So maybe in a year or two. Uh, but you know, all the sales we do on Xbox probably convinces them that we are a good deal for game pass right. so yeah. you know it helps to bite there if you want to give us a tip it's just great because you can pay however much you want somebody paid uh a lot more than we were selling the game for and it was really really appreciated hmm. um i think our average for the game is like 28 dollars rather than 18 dollars wow. uh yeah. on itch it's which nice. is great and they yeah. take less of a cut too than other storefronts. I so. did not
2: know that. Okay, I've always wondered, like, but, you yeah, know, I, I don't, I don't know a lot about itch. I like the platform, but I never knew how the, you know, how that worked with Steam and stuff.
1: I, I don't know if we set it or, or the customer sets it, but it is default to ten percent. So it's way gotcha. less than anybody, like even Epic. Steam's I think. is
2: thirty, right?
1: Uh, if I knew, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Oh, like yeah. it's an open secret, and I think uh, Tim Sweeney has explicitly stated it. But, um, yeah, I I think Sweeney has said it's 30%, but I myself don't know. I just know that it's technically confidential, uh, and you shouldn't talk about it. Um, But, yeah, I've heard 30% from public sources well before I ever became a game dev. Um, But here's the thing. I will tell you the vast majority of our sales right now are on Steam.
3: Hmm.
1: Like, the vast majority. Like the other two platforms combined, do not add up to what is on Steam, hmm. uh, and Steam is a huge storefront. I think we have like several million impressions from just being on new, new, and trending. Um, we obviously didn't That's make great. several million sales. Wow. Like we're, you know, like I said, our goal is still ten thousand sales in a month, right? So, who knows if we'll make it? Um, but if we get, I think, to five hundred positive reviews over ninety-five percent, we become overwhelmingly positive, and then we're more likely to get featured hmm so okay. and, and that's just like some googling that i've done to see it's not like a steam backend thing i don't know exactly how it works but that's what somebody told me on twitter after doing a bunch of googling and trying to we were trying to figure it out um because they were like you're over 95 percent. why are you not overwhelmingly positive while this game is and it looks like it's 500 things gotcha reviews from itch like if you buy it on itch you'll get a steam code that review will not count on steam this oh. was done for websites that, you know, would advertise, hey, we'll artificially boost your scores. You know, uh, give us like a thousand keys and we'll, you know, and then they go sell it on like G2A or whatever. And we'll just bought a bunch of like review scores. Um, you know, it was scams like that. So Steam was like, we got to make it so you can't do that. Right. You can't and that's the easiest way source.
2: to do it is just, if you didn't buy it from us, you can't. Yeah. yeah
1: like if you have a legit Steam key, whatever, but, you only get to count so we have like 160 reviews or something um, but we only have like 146 counted reviews um, so it really helps like look there was some guy and he said like if I could give this game a middle thumbs I would and his complaint was some bugs that we've all, all they're all fixed by now um, but his review is still negative it still drags our average down um, he, he you know most of his reviews like the writings great I really like the writing and blah 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 you know, but it's not really a video game. Like, it still exists though, doesn't it?
0: Right. Like,
1: it exists and you enjoyed the story. So why not give it a positive review? When you give it a negative review, it hurts us. Yeah. So like, if if you're just, if you think, oh, it was too short or, you know, like, if you liked the game, please do review. If you didn't like the game because it's broken, please tell us. Our, our Twitter is the best way to do it. If you drop it to the open DMs on Mischief Develop, uh, we can see that and we can fix it um but like we are fixing all the bugs we can uh i have a trello up we're like trying to get right down every review and repro steps i was up all night trying to fix uh not fix it myself but like figure out how a bug was happening so i could pass it to our Mm. programmer and get it fixed like negative reviews i personally feel should only happen if you are and, and this is not just for me this is for anybody they should only happen as a last resort like, they should only happen when you genuinely think the game is bad. Like, if, if The Last of Us 2 comes to Steam, I would probably give it a negative review because I think the story is harmful. I think it's it's a bad story. And I could talk about that for hours, so I'm not going to... Uh, I have a 7,000-word essay that I'm working on right now. Like, that's what it is right now. It's going to get longer. I'm going to read that. Uh, you will eventually. It takes a long <laughs> time to write. Um, You know, not not because the amount of words, but just trying to make the argument make sense. Right. Um, but, like, you know, when I wrote about Last of Us 1, it was like... This game basically perpetuates the idea that people would all turn to shit in an apocalypse. And we actually have a lot of science and anecdotal evidence that shows that humans actually bond together in times of distress. And so the core theme of the game doesn't really work for me. And it actually is just regurgitating fiction stereotypes that are designed to create drama rather than say anything meaningful about people. And it's masquerading as true art when it's actually just a copy paste of bad fiction. Um, That's the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I would probably give like that an negative review or a game that just won't run at all. And then if it, it did start running, then I would give it a positive review,
2: but like, but like a game that could be better isn't bad. It just could have been better. Yeah. I would say
1: if you, if you didn't love the game, but you're like, Oh, the story is really good, but it's not a real video game. Don't review it. Please. Like if you like the story and the experience mattered to you, Arguing that it's not technically a video game doesn't change the fact that it is a product that was sold that you had a positive experience with, right? Like, yeah. who gives a shit what the dictionary says? Did you have a good time? If you didn't have a good time and you don't think the av- like anyone else would have a good time, then don't recommend it. Like, like, give it a negative review if you think everyone would hate it. But I saw someone
2: putting down and complaining about the Resident Evil anime on Netflix that isn't out yet because they didn't consider it real anime. Because oh it's God. and I'm just like this is such a stupid hill to die on, yeah. and I, I I was just curious, so I looked I looked up the uh, the uh, Resident Evil because I wanted to see what they were getting at, you know. So I looked up mm-hmm. the uh, the show on, on Netflix, and I saw it was uh, from uh, who is it? Let me check. Yeah, TMS Entertainment, and like right at the beginning, it says in Wikipedia. TMS is one of the oldest and most famous animated studios in Japan. So I sent that screenshot to the person in a tweet response and they went, it still isn't real anime, in my opinion. I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? I'm like,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah, I know what you mean.
2: People that die in these weird hills not serving anything as far as, you know, providing actual valuable feedback.
1: Like, like for me, this is still my you know, this is my livelihood, all right? This determines whether I get diabetic care. So if you do not absolutely hate the game, don't recommend it. Just don't post anything. If you loved it, please recommend it. If you hated it, go ahead and write an honest review. But if you're like, eh... Then don't don't drag my don't drag my average damn. It it costs me money and it costs me the ability to make better games. Like for people who are like, this game needs better like I want to see this writing but with better gameplay. If you do that and then you say, also let's give it a bad review, that's gonna hurt. Like yeah. if you wanted if you actually want to see another game from me, I need to make enough money that I can afford to pay people to make a bigger game with more gameplay. Audios had such a small budget. We made it in one location with as many verbs as we could, but very shallow verbs. I know that I I would love more gameplay. Trust me, I would. I want to make like a really detailed hyperdynamic first person shooter with lots of simulation mechanics and stuff. I want that. But I need millions of dollars to do it. And I can only get that if my game sells. And I can only sell my game if the reviews are good enough that it, you know, succeeds. So fair yeah. People should be honest. People should be fair. But if you're just like, I wish there was a middle button, why round down? (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, like, like it's, it's, it's not the, if you can't say nice, don't say anything at all. Like always be honest in what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to say something,
2: make it be something that's like valid and and yeah. Like
1: I I, I saw a guy who's uh, a buddy of mine who released a game. People have like 150 hours in his game. But they're like, oh, this one weapon's unbalanced, so they give it a negative review. And he's like, do you understand how badly that hurts like our ability to sell our game? <laughs> yeah. Are 99% of the people that this is you know who are reading this review gonna care? Also, we can tune this. It's in early access. Like we can fix this. One in 150
2: worry. hours, obviously you're enjoying the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I I gave a negative review to Destiny 2 on Steam because they ch- they added a system that really hurt my ability to play the game. The uh, Sunsetting? And, yeah, Sunsetting. And they yeah. deleted a bunch of content that I paid them real money for. Yeah. That, for <laughs> me, is when you send a negative review. Yeah. I paid for this, and they took it away, and not just because like it was broken, but because they want to create artificial scarcity.
2: Yeah, they want you to earn it back later. <laughs> like, Ridiculous.
1: Yeah. That's not good. That's not healthy, and that deserves a negative review. So I had to go from a positive review... To a negative one i have you know several thousand hours in it but i have several thousand hours in content they deleted and i can't (laughs) access that content which i enjoyed anymore so i have to give it a negative review um you know i would love to keep loving destiny i would i i love that series so much and destiny stopped.
2: and Pokemon are are uh, similar in that. Nobody hates the game. Those games more than people that love those games. Yeah. Oh, God, I wish I could love destiny.
1: I don't mean to get on a rant about that, but like, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, I, I did initially just say like, if you like the game, please leave a positive review. Right. If you didn't like bugs, let us know, but we will fix them. So a negative review just hurt us in the long run. The more money we have to fix bugs, the more bugs we can fix. Right. That's, you know, that's, that's where we're at. Like, I just if you if you play the game and you really love it, please just tell people about it. That's going to help us the most. Like like both of you have said in this call, word of mouth is is super crucial. Mm-hmm. I, I think Chris, you were the first one to bring it up, and you were mm-hmm. absolutely right. Like we need that, or we die. Um, so. That's my incredibly long lengthy spiel. As you can tell, I talk a lot. Uh, I've probably talked more in this call than the entire script for Audios. I'm going to be weeping <laughs> while I'm
3: editing, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm
1: glad that you came along.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. that
3: uh, so That'll um, do
1: for me? Yeah. Unless you had any questions.
2: Oh, uh, no, but thanks again for coming on, and I'd love to have you back on sometime if you ever want to. You know. All right.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to go hunt Nightbull Snarf and Monster Hunter now with a friend.
3: Um, So once again, uh, we want to thank him for joining us. I uh, I think uh, both you and the audience uh, enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, it was great having Doc
2: on. And uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, check out Adios when you can. It's on Xbox and Steam. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail since we talked about it a little bit. And then also because I'll just point you to my review. I reviewed it for Retroware. Um, Yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed it, though. I played it a couple of times. And um, yeah, very good game
3: and uh yeah like um i i thought it was great to have him on get that developer perspective that's something i've been wanting on the show for a while so it's Mm -hmm. great um i i I was stopping myself from laughing when he was talking about the last of us because i'm like that's your favorite game and he's just shitting on it
2: i'm like i I actually like that kind of stuff because (laughs) i i I like reading about games that i like reading the opposite perspective you know because like even though I really like The Last of Us, it has a lot of flaws, and at the end of the day, it's just uh, kind of a genre piece. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's 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 not the best game ever made. It's just one of my favorite games. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I recognize it's got a lot of mm-hmm. issues and stuff. And I was
3: yeah. talking about criticism, and like that that was an engaging conversation. But I, I do think every writer has their own perspective to give. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I didn't want to bring it up because that was such a great conversation. But we could um, do a whole episode on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's many layers to that. Um,
2: yeah, I actually get excited when like I love a game and I come across a review where like the person didn't like it or vice versa because it's just so neat to like, oh, I wasn't in these shoes. Let me get in these shoes but, right now from this writer. You know, I, I
3: do agree though that they can be self congratulatory or they can be there can be reviews about like something completely different that, but it should yeah. be just about the the game what it can offer to the player um yeah i just i talk about like the general kind of aesthetics and the
2: game yeah and the, polygon you know. and i i usually love polygon like 90 99 percent of the time i i'm like like on board with what they're doing and i love them but just to give an example uh, along those lines uh where the, where it's like where they're talking about you know I, i'll just say it uh so their doom eternal review they were like talking about how doom is being smart by like engaging in the silly like zany looney tunes ass that i'm like what the fuck are you no it's that's not like you know i was just like where are you getting this from it was just one of those things where it's like talk about the game like talk about the elements surrounding the game stop i don't know it was just yeah it was weird
3: well, let's move on to what we've been playing quick um yeah so uh, really all... over time
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah just quickly uh and then i got one i'll talk about a little bit but uh yeah audios check out my review in Retroware. uh everhood uh same thing um just check out my review on what, what uh, is everhood everhood is a i would call it like a rhythm platformer so picture the like guitar hero and rock band uh kind of uh um, display when you're playing, you know, and you're hitting the notes, oh, really? except for you're jumping around the notes. Whoa, hitting the notes, yeah, really cool. And then, um, to briefly talk about like the 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 story structure, I would very much compare the story structure and aesthetic to something along the lines of Undertale. Um, Whoa. so you're you're moving around a world and engaging with characters in a in in a yeah, you know, just like in a quirky kind of way where like things are either dark or weird or just 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 interesting uh you know so not just like undertale but i'm staying in that kind of you know vein uh and so there's that kind of gameplay and then there's the jumping around the notes um kind of rhythm platforming and it's it's really cool it's 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 really hard like i i end up moving the difficulty down to uh story mode difficulty and i still struggled you know and that could just be me maybe but yeah the game is is difficult but the uh the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. So if if, if you're not going to play the game, I would at least recommend looking the soundtrack up on Spotify or YouTube or something because it's it's very good. But um, yeah.
3: But let's talk more about this uh, Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time on the Switch. We got a review code, yes, uh, from Activision. Uh, so thank you, Activision, for that. Um, what do you think of the port?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm glad, glad you phrased it like that, because yeah, I would like to direct people to our our dedicated Crash Bandicoot Four episode. Yep. Uh, for as far as like the uh, the majority of the you know just the game itself, uh, but I just I mostly want to speak on um, the Switch port, you know, aspect, um, and we'll
3: we'll link all that as well. Yeah, we'll link. Yep. Um, but I, I do also want to mention that it was our most uplifting game of uh, last year as well. So yes, very based. good game.
2: And uh, also just had a, uh, um, a PS5, Xbox Series X version. And that, that featured mm-hmm. a, a free upgrade, too, if you already owned it on PS4 or Xbox. But yeah, if you don't have a PS4, PS5, uh, Xbox uh, One or Xbox Series X, um, then you can play it on Switch. And the Switch port is is, is very, very good. Like for me, yeah. this is right up there with, uh, you know, Doom and, you know, and, and like the, the Witcher 3, like those kinds of ports where it's like... Yeah, you're getting um, something that um, is 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 lesser than than the other consoles, but like it's not like a, in a bad way. It's just if you have a PS5 or an Xbox Series X and a Switch, and you're not going to be playing in portable mode, then I would recommend grabbing it. Obviously on on those other platforms, but um, this version's great. Like it, it plays great. I played it in handheld mode. I played it in TV mode. I played it with Joy Cons. I played it with the Pro controller. I didn't have any issues with the controls. The visuals are just toned down a little bit, but other than that, but they resemble still, yeah still has that
3: spirit of the,
2: of the exactly game. yeah. yeah. Um, so like you you can tell they toned some stuff down with resolution and stuff, but like the frame rate doesn't really stutter or anything. It's I didn't... S-
3: silky smooth. Honestly, yeah. it, it runs really well on the Switch,
2: and I was surprised in portable mode because like,
3: damn, this actually looks pretty good, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was I was. Yeah, Yeah. very, very, very impressed with it. Um, I'm probably just going to do another
3: playthrough on portable mode because, like, the Nintendo Switch on platformers just feels right. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if I went back to it and played the whole game on on the Switch because it's a really good version.
2: Yeah, and uh, the the price is worth mentioning, too, because... um... I think it's a little bit less. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. I went to the website and it just says downloaded because we, you know, I have it I downloaded. it.
3: Uh,
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I know I want to mention this too, because I know this is a question people usually have for uh, switch games. Uh, the website says 9.4 gigs. I think it's like a little over 10 gigs. When I remember looking at my settings, like 10.2 gigs, but yeah, it's uh, it's not super big. It plays really well. Um, and i i i i and i just I, I only mentioned that the other versions are better in a like if if you have the option to, to to choose and you're not playing portable then obviously i would i would get that version but like this is a great switch port and it's 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 it doesn't feel like a downgrade just like um you know the witcher and and doom and those other really good uh ports this is not a uh a outer worlds uh situation or at or all thankfully. yeah or yeah, apex legends current, yeah yeah this is right up there with uh, the spyro and crash uh ports mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm glad this happened and it gives me a lot of um um confidence in the tony hawk port coming up too and which i'm gonna grab
3: i'm still really goddamn surprised that we haven't got those cool Duty remasters on switch yet because they would make yeah so much sense
2: mm-hmm yeah, very good. Thank you for the review code, and I'm probably i'm i'm i'm, I'm considering doing a re- another replay on Switch too, just because like yeah, you know, like I like pl- I like playing games on the Switch, and uh, this is a great yeah. port.
3: And I know Joseph is going to cover it as well. I'm I'm not sure if we'll put like um, his own kind of thoughts and his own recording in this episode or not, so I'm not going to introduce it. But if he is, here we go.
0: What is going on, everybody? This is Joseph here. Um, So I'm not on this episode, actually. (laughs) Uh, I had to help my partner house-sit, or dog-sit, really, for her grandmother, so I was unable to be on the episode. But I'm now at home, and the episode has already been recorded with Chris and Josh and Doc, And from what I understand, it was a pretty interesting episode. I don't know where Chris is placing this in the episode, but uh, apparently there was some interesting conversation there, so hopefully everybody enjoys that. I will be listening to it myself whenever the episode comes out. Um, So anyway, I wanted to give my thoughts on a few games I've been playing, um, and we're going to sort of stitch this in as we do sometimes. Um, A few games, just just a couple games here. So... First thing I wanted to say is that Yakuza Like a Dragon is quickly becoming one of my favorite games of all time, which is a very bold statement, of course, but um, interestingly, one of my favorite aspects about this game is its story. And I know <laughs> I, I'm typically not known for loving video game stories. Um, every now and again, something will come up that I'm, I get really invested into. And Yakuza is one of those games. My goodness. It the narrative is just absolutely fantastic it's a little cheesy at times but it's like it's something i would watch on netflix (laughs) like it's it's that deep i don't want to spoil anything about it because so much of this game's charm has to do with the story but um what's one thing it does that's really cool is that each chapter pretty much ends on a cliffhanger and it's always like it's not just like a little cliffhanger where you're like "Eh, all right it's always like, "Oh jeez, now I have to play 20 more hours." <laughs> like it's like so right now I'm on the last chapter and basically shit is about to go down, like the final battle, I guess. And I'm in like this grinding stage right now. There's a lot of grinding in this game. Um so if you guys aren't into that, you might not like it, but I'm like I'll, by by next episode I'll be finished with this game. So you guys can look forward to my thoughts on that. But yeah, safe to say this is this game is, like, unbelievably good. No business being as good as it is. Or maybe it does have business being that good. I, I haven't really played much of the other Yakuza games. I played maybe Zero and One, I believe, or Kiwami, whatever it's called. And they were fine. I just, I like the turn-based combat a little bit more. Anyway, go play this game. <clears throat> it's very good. It's very funny. Um, what else? Oh, I played Prey 2017. Um, after everybody, you know, has been hounding me to play... And it it it's, it was one of the Bethesda games that just joined Game Pass, so I jumped into that. And I okay, so here's <laughs> I, I put maybe an uh, maybe two hours into this game, and so far I totally get why everybody loves it. It's very atmospheric. It's very Bioshocky almost. Um, really cool stuff going on. Uh, man, the <laughs> I love the intro sequence. If you guys have played it. You know what I'm talking about? The in- I don't want to spoil it, but the intro sequence is really cool. Um, I think I'm going to have to turn it down, like turn the difficulty down a little bit on this game because I'm very bad at video games because I'm a journalist. <laughs> and um, it's a, it's, I think it's a little hard and I think it's sort of uh, hindering my enjoyment of the game. But like, I totally get it and I'm on board and it pretty much has hooked me. I just keep dying basically, at this point. And I don't know if that's me just, like, missing some of the mechanics or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's it's like Bioshock, honestly. Like, that's, like, the, the main thing. Like, spookier Bioshock, I guess, and maybe with a more realistic art style. Bioshock's very stylized, you know? Um, and it's in space, which is really awesome. Uh, and I, I guess I have a phobia of space now. I discovered that while playing Outer Wilds. Anyway, not much else to report on Prey, but I, I just wanted to say I've played it. I get why people like it. I get why people have been, you know, trying to get others to play it. I just, I think I need to turn it, turn the difficulty down and play a little bit more to get more of a sense of what this game is. But so far, really cool. Um, finally, I wanted to say that I've been playing Fallout 76. Again, another Bethesda game added to Game Pass. And honestly, this game is like really good i don't understand i mean well maybe when it came out it wasn't very good obviously but now like i i hate to bring up you know everybody always says oh it's like no man's sky or it's like Final fantasy 14 where it comes out initially and it's bad or whatever it's underwhelming and then it becomes good i i guess that's what happened with this game i never played it when it came out you know but it is like it's fallout online like i don't know like i, I Seems like that's hard to mess up, I guess. But again, yeah, I think the game has come a long way since launch. It's really cool, though. Um, I like doing the daily quests and going around. And you know what's really interesting? And I've found this with a lot of online games like this, you know, like a game as service type of game, where I, I'll run into, like, other players, and they're all so nice. Like, I, I've, <laughs> I've run into, like, I don't know, four or five different random people, and Every single one of them gives me items. Like I don't ask for it, they just like walk up to me and then they drop a present on the floor. <laughs> and then, it, then I pick it up. It's and it's some weapon I can't even use cuz I'm so under-leveled right now. And they can tell, I guess I can tell what level I am. Um but it's a it's a game that like I feel like I really like need right now. Like I kind of want a game that's got a little bit of survival stuff going on where you're eating food and building your base but also I like the first person shooting which I know like a lot of people say the Fallout first person shooting is bad and like I get why they say that but I (laughs) I don't know I I like it in like a weird sort of like um I don't know like uh, it's got its own personality a little bit of jank and I'm not excusing the Bethesda jank but I don't know I kind of like it anyway uh so yeah just like exploring and sort of rounding out my character, it's an RPG, it's like hardcore-ass RPG, um, and with, you know, online elements, I don't know, I think it's really good, and I just, I don't know that a lot of people are talking about Fallout 76, just because of how, you know, terrible the, the sort of discourse was when it first came out, I don't know, anyway, that game's awesome, uh, don't really have a whole lot else to report on it, because it's not, like, mind-blowing, or, like, uh, you know, doing something totally crazy and new, you know, but I definitely think this game deserves more praise for how good it is. Uh, Like, people love Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, and it's basically just that, but with online. I don't know, like, it's just, it's pretty good. Um, Other than that, I don't think I've played anything else. Oh, by the way, Uh, the entirety of yakuza i don't know if you guys know this i played the entirety of yakuza on my phone through remote play uh like uh, from the ps5 or whatever it's a ps4 game i'm playing it on ps5 and i'm and i've been streaming it to my phone and um if you're doing that like locally like within the same wi-fi you'll probably pretty much have no problems the other thing is that your your system whatever you're remote playing on you can remote play on xbox as well whatever you're doing remote play on it's best if you have your system hardwired with an ethernet just to let you know um and what's cool is when i went to uh my partner's grandparents house uh, i I was doing remote play from there as well on my ps5 so that was really cool um yeah to me like those like turn-based rpgs man those are like handheld games i don't know it's kind of a bummer it's not on switch but nonetheless here we are Anyway, that's it. That's pretty much it for me. Hope everybody's been well. Hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, got my first COVID shot, which is awesome. And I'll get part two uh, in a few weeks now. So that's great. Things are looking up. Um, take care of yourselves. Don't be an asshole. Uh, don't put pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm lecturing you now. Okay, that's enough for me. I just got Chipotle, so I'm going to go eat that. By the way, they have chipotle's they have... Uh, uh, quesadillas on the app now it used to be you had to go to the store and special order the quesadillas anyway you can do it on the app now so just fyi uh go enjoy whatever whatever you're doing and be kind to one another and i will see you all next week bye bye
3: uh so i've been playing a bunch of games so Reviter, uh i i received a review code for RetroWare, and i covered it over there um i think it's just up the day before this p- episode comes out so go check that out um yeah reviter is a twin stick shooter slash roguelite hybrid um it's frenetic it's, it's super like entertaining um like the art style is enchanting um and like it has this like 16 bit retro look but it's enhanced as like a modern game. Like it has really good lighting. I know it's a cliche dimensionist, but it's like dark souls in a way or bloodborne where it's got that like creepy kind of look to it where it's like, there's like a blue moon seeping through the the windows of like a clock tower. You know, um, there's, huh. there's there's a lot of cool things to know, notice in this game and it runs really well too. Um, which I'm very happy about uh I do have a few issues though um this game has uh the just, the reviter might look beautiful uh but at the same time uh you can't because of how the lighting system works and how dim the the ground is you sometimes can't see where traps are or where certain like hidden creatures are and uh basically i i guess we should I, I should mention how the game works you know uh the uh twin is, is uh, the twin stick shooter um you go through levels of uh, um uh, of each kind of biome there's three biomes in the game currently but i think there's going to be more and you're facing against these challenging enemies over and over again and but but what what uh like uh hades i guess another great roguelike um it has multiple different weapons at your disposal and each kind of run feels differently because of the effects that are added to your weapon like for example um you can gain this bonus effect that um puts gravity on your bullets so it can um so your shots are kind of like curved so instead of going straight, it goes curved. So it's kind of interesting um, that can happen to your gun. And then this looks really cool. I like the yeah, graphics a it's, lot. The too. graphics are amazing. Um, kind of remind me of Celeste a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit of Celeste. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, it, I, I like that mysterious story that's attached to the game too. Um, it, it definitely drives me forward into like playing this game more. It's very very hard, and I think that part of the problem is is that you only have four hearts in the game and to get bonuses to get other weapons or secondary weapons you have to use a heart as the currency (laughs) so you have an already challenging game that is asking you to use hearts to get stuff to make it less challenging You, you know what i mean so it's kind of like (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it it's a it's a really tough game um but if you have the right weapons that are spawn randomly towards you um I, I think you're in for a good run and that's what pe- makes it kind of fun to play for and maybe watch on twitch or something hmm. um yeah that's it's it, it's fun for sure um i, I just wish that there was more variety in the monsters. I, I wish that there was more variety in the music because the music kind of gets annoying after a while after going through the same first biome over and over and over again. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm enjoying my time with Reviter, but there are f- a few things that they should fix um, as the get- development moves forward towards the full release.
2: That's good. I hope that w- with uh the early access reviews, hopefully, you know hopefully the feedback helps make the game as good as it could be.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, And I, EA play just came to uh, Xbox game pass for PC. So I've been able to play Star Wars squadrons for a I'm bit. I'm going to play that
2: soon. It looks fun.
3: It's, it's really fun, dude. And it's cross play. So maybe we could play together. Oh yeah. Um, that'd be fun. Yeah. Like it's the, I was really surprised by the visuals of this game. Like my PC is good. It's like, Mid range to almost high end, Um, and I was able to go through ultra settings Hmm. at 60 frames per second. It was really beautiful. Um, Yeah, all the effects, how each ship kind of explodes in front of you, it's just thrilling. Um, But I'm not that far into the game yet, but the story is already hooking me, Um, and I'll Probably play more of this because I've been wanting a rogue squad. I gotta check it out. I'm always
2: time. happy to see more Star Wars games.
3: Yeah, yeah, and this one's a really good one so far. And then Fortnite, but oh, I won't mention too much. I-, I like the new additions. um It's always fun to get new dance moves and <laughs> things like that. um Yeah, I-, I like the new areas. It's it's just fun, dude. Fortnite, just to play it every once in a while because just a few the- months ago Epic I games- was like
2: why would i play as a different character i have master chief like this is the yeah. character right and then they add lara Croft, and i'm like okay mm-hmm. cool
3: so you have a game with master chief uh kratos and lara Croft just doing weird dances and it's just <laughs> i just love
2: the positive energy that Fortnite
3: gives um, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's and it's
2: it's just fun to be in that world like it's pretty yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's very pretty especially on ps5
3: uh, so that's it for me. And I think that's it for the show. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Where can people find you, uh,
2: Josh Boy? You can find me on Twitter at it's Drick Jersh. um Also on uh, RetroWare. I've got a lot of articles I'm working on right now. Uh, I'm looking at my calendar. He sounds I...
3: tired, but he's very excited. Yeah.
2: Um, see, check my calendar. Yeah, I should have it. my Game Boy Advance ret- retrospective should be out next week and that nice. that's that's going to be fun to write. Um but yeah, lots of lots of stuff in the works.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh for me, I uh you can find me at Pam Writes on Twitter. Um, you can check out my My Hero Academia podcast. Go beyond my yeah, <laughs> my Hero Academia podcast. Um, each and every Wednesday, uh, we go through the nitty-gritty details of each episode, and it's getting serious in the show. Mm. So it's become like the conversations are getting really interesting now um, because there's darker elements that are seeping in. Um, yeah, uh, you can go read my work at the Gamer uh, where I wrote about how, why EA should bring back the Burnout series. God damn it, stop making new speed games because you have Codemasters now. Um, and also uh, on the RetroWare, I'm going to be covering... Um, well, I, I'll have that Revita preview up, um, but also I'll be covering um, uh, why PlayStation All-Stars should get a sequel, actually. We mentioned that earlier, and it's kind of funny. Um, and I, I think it got a bad rap. And it had, um, it kind of is kind of unfortunate what happened to that game. So I'm going to be covering all that history and why it should be getting a sequel in an article coming up soon. <sighs> I can breathe now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, thank you, Doc, again uh, for yeah, joining thanks. us. Um, I know he's not here right now, but I just just wanted to say it, even though he hates uh, the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> we'll forgive him for that, right? <laughs> Uh, our game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so until the, uh, next week, when we'll have um, our beautiful Joseph Yaden back, uh, we'll we'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: Bye bye now. We need to. We need to have Bear in the Big Blue House dance with the moon at the end of our episode. <laughs>